Hi, it's the best show. Wait, no, this. Yes, now you know it's the best show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the best show. My name's Tom. I'm the host of tonight's episode. And you are joining me on this beautiful August evening here. A hot August night, like Neil Diamond said. Remember that album cover where he was making some sort of gesture that would have you arrested if you did that not on stage at the Greek theater. Anyone in the audience did that, they would have been hauled off. Only the guy on the stage got away with that. I don't even know what you'd call that. A thrust motion or something? I don't know. Let's go look it up. The album has Porcupine Pie on it. It's a great album. Um, We have an exciting show for you later. Not later. I'm going to play a record, and then we'll have James Murphy here from LCD Sound System. Very exciting. So this is what I want you all to do. Sit back. Relax. Don't relax too much, though. We're working now. This is not... This is not... uh, it's not time to fall asleep yet. This is the final. This is the second shift now, right? In fact, don't relax. Splash some cold water on your face. Get ready. Second shift now. You got work to do. I'm here. You can wake up too. If I'm awake, you're awake. We are going to do the best show, and I want you to be a part of it as well. The phone number, as always, is two zero one three three two. Three four eight four. It's uh, the best show. Ah, oh, wrong thing. No. Why? There it is. Oh, I can't get the levels right on this thing. Never could have that. Show. Yeah, you know that it's the best show And I'll 
the best show. What's up, everybody here? 2017, August. We find ourselves somehow all here together. Unless you're listening to this in the future, which is very possible. These things are not live experiences for everybody. So if you're listening to this, I don't know, like 4,000 years from now, in two, four, in 6,017, I don't know what to say. What's up? What's up from the, the past says hi to the future. My name's Tom. I'm the host. And we just heard that was a giant dog from their album, Upcoming. Comes out at the end of the month. The new album, Toy. So good. So good. They're the best. It's on Merge. Can't wait. I think they're playing Goner Fest. That'll be exciting, right? Down in Memphis. Everybody loves Goner Fest. Oh, so much fun. So much to do. So much to say. What did I need to say? I needed to tell everybody one thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know AP Mike. Mike, you're here tonight? Mike's here. How does it sound? Great? Okay, good. Good. Mike wasn't here last week. He was on assignment. Um, He's back. Mike issued a challenge to me. He said, Tom... And I got to say, first of all, it makes me uncomfortable when he always throws my first name. It's like, I know who, you know who I am. You don't have to say Tom. It makes me think there's people watching and you're establishing something, my name for others. He said my sales over at apmike.bandcamp.com said it's a little stagnant right now. The merch is sitting, gathering dust. I said to him, we can move some shirts. He said, they're not. He said, they, the masses tavern shirts. Uh, he said, the, the markets, the, he said, it's, it's over. I said, it's not over. I'll plug these shirts. You'll sell some shirts. I told him we could move 15 shirts tonight. Easy. He said, impossible. So please. If you don't have a Masses Tavern shirt, oh my goodness, well, you'll just be the the talk of the holding cell you'll be in. You'll be the, just picture you're in a holding cell. What's that shirt? People want to know. Everyone in the holding cell wants to know where, why you have that shirt. It might go so well that they'll protect you when you use that wall toilet, Right? That is one of those things in my life. If I ever have to use that jail cell wall toilet, eh, well, I'm okay. I'm ready to die. Okay. Eh, I'll hold off. I don't need to use the wall toilet. Is there a pill I can take that'll just kill me? Officer, give me the pill. I know there's pills back there that'll kill me, right? You have to have them. I'd prefer one of those pills than to use the public wall toilet. So go to apmike.bandcamp.com. Check out all the sweet merch he's got there. He's got a a Massa's Tavern shirt. He's got autographed headshots. 
He's got his different songs and things he's done up there. If you've ever wanted to hear a children's story written by Mike but narrated by Harry Morgan's son, the son of Colonel Potter on MASH, boy, have you come to the right place. APMike.bandcamp.com. Charlie Morgan narrates the children's book that Mike wrote. So, I tell you that the phone number, once again, is 201-332-3484, and we sit here tonight in New Jersey. And we're doing the best show, and it's exciting. I'm just going to get right to it, right? Mike, should I get to it? It's weirdly fired up. It makes me uncomfortable. He overcompensates. He sat out a week. Now he's trying to do two weeks worth of energy in one week. It's bad. It's, 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 just click it down, Mike. Click it down. I want to bring my guest into the studio. James Murphy. What's up, James Murphy? How are you? I'm, I'm okay. Welcome to the best show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Now you, true or false? False. Okay. Well, I guess you're not in LCD sound system. Then. Crap. I think we got the wrong James Murphy. There's, here. A, there's a lot of us. It's not a. There was another James. Mike. Mike actually brought a photographer friend of his who uh, shares your name. Yep. There's a metal, uh, excellent metal guitar player, James Murphy. And who's he play for? Um, he played for uh, Testament, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Bunch of. I mean, uh, I should look that up. I should be more c- correct about my uh, br- name brother. Yeah. But look, I'm going to say this. Whether it's the photographer or the metal guitarist, they're not on my radar tonight. There's only one James Murphy on my radar, and it's the one sitting across from me here. Thank you for coming to the studio. It's very exciting to have you here. It is uh, an honor to have you here, dare, mm. dare I say. You Thank you. Yeah. I feel I I don't know if I deserve it. No, stop. You deserve it. Now you I'm not gonna do true or false anymore. We clearly <laughs> saw where that went. I'm gonna just say true. You're the what would you call yourself? The singer? Yeah, you're the singer. I'm the singer. You're the singer and, and uh uh of the top forty rock outfit. L C D sound system. Yes. Yes. Now you I gotta say this. You got a new album coming out. Yes. It's called American Dream. Yes. And it, one of my favorite albums ever is American Dream. It's the, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young album. Which yeah. Is, no, it's not. That's not one of my favorite albums. <laughs> <laughs> but you, what you've done, you've struck that album from everyone's mind now. Not unlike how these Planet of the Apes movies erase the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie. From oh, everyone. Wow. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you took, you forgot about it until you just remembered it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you reminded me of it. Yeah. But it had been forgotten, not right. unlike the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young but, album. But you remembered it. Oh, yeah. Look, I, this, here, I have merchandise from it that I got sent. Oh, wow. And that's, it's not, that's a fake signature, by the way, that. <laughs> Our, our mutual friend Jason sent me that, and I was like, "Did you get? The, is this really signed by Tim Burton and Mark Wahlberg?" And he was like, "No, I faked that." Wow, I just, 
I totally so, forgot about this. Yes, that Mark Wahlberg and Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti was an ape. <laughs> I love that song. And a timber. What song? Paul Giamatti was, was an, an ape? ape? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that one. <laughs> it just seems like a... Sounds like a novelty yeah. hit. Novelty punk hit. So the... Well, look. Not too late for a B-side. Right. right? Exactly. Well, you know, we got to work on that. Squeeze one out quick, right? B-sides. Because so, first of all, you guys just record these songs so fast. You just do them. You crank them out. The blap. Yeah. It's, just the, yeah. Think of it and then it's there. It's like that MSR uh, thing where you'd send in the lyrics and they would just knock out the music. Is that a thing? Remember, there were, do you ever hear those albums where it would be like the beat of the traps and those things where there would be ads in magazines where it'd say like, write a hit song. We set your lyrics to music and people would write, they'd send their lyrics in, they'd write back and say, and any song, no matter what it was, they'd be like, we, we accept your song now for a hundred dollars. We'll record your we'll song. record your song, and there would just be some band knocking these out over all day long recording. There's there's these different collections of them. They're the they're the greatest things ever. That the same band and the same singer they would just write these songs all day long and record them. Just, just yeah, I'll, you know, I'll play something later. There's a song Jimmy Carter says yes that someone wrote. It's one of the greatest <laughs> songs ever. Do you know the difference between big wood and brush? Wow. So someone was just like, I think, you know what would be a good hit song? A, a song about the difference between <laughs> big wood and brush. And he said, honey, they accepted my lyrics. They're going to record it. I just have to send them $150. I'm going to quit my job. Yeah. And then they send an acetate back to you and it never gets pressed anywhere else. I got to say that's a, if someone told me right now that for $150 I could get an acetate made. It'd be a deal. Oh yeah, I would do it all day long. It's a deal. I'd be, they, I would, it would like you turn the thing on them. They'd just be like, this guy sent four more in. Yeah, just, <laughs> I just send you, here's like 12 things. You cut me an acetate. You can keep your band on, they can cool their jets. Yeah. And then I have an album. Yeah. Here's my album I made. Thanks suckers. You were trying to take yes. me and I took you. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. I'm going to play a little bit. There's a song. There's a, Jimmy Carter says yes. There's a, my the the my favorite one is probably uh, there's a disco song, uh, which is like disco disco disco. Are you going to Mount Kisco? Really? Yes. I'm in. I'm not here to talk about the MSR things. Well, I'm know. here to talk about LCD sound system. Yes. And this album. It's so good, the album. I heard the album. I heard all of it. You suckers out there only heard two songs, maybe, right? Two? Yeah. I feel potentially two slightly misleading songs, for the record. Yeah. Two songs I like a lot, but like mm-hmm. they were really chosen to be released first because they were what we were playing well. We were, we were going to play Saturday Night Live, and we were playing those the best. Mm-hmm. Those are the songs we played best. Yeah. So we're like, we'll play those songs. But there's eight that these people haven't heard. It's true. Eight. And the album, you know what I did? I didn't listen to those two songs. I didn't listen to, I you waited skipped to hear, them. no, I waited to hear the album. I didn't listen to Is that to true? When, yeah, I did. Oh, when wow. you put them out, I was like, I want to hear them in the context of ah, the album. Well, then that's a different, I think, then I think they fit. They make sense. Yes, they do make sense. And I think for people, once the, once they digest these songs as an album, they will get the, a the entirety of it right. will make sense. And it's kind of a, 
it's kind of like a like you see the cover of the album is that sky the blue right like, yeah painting by a friend of mine and you see that and then when when you hear the album it's like the cover makes sense when you hear the album in a lot of ways it feels like yeah because it's kind of you almost need that cover to counter the album a little bit in ways. You know what I mean? It's like, like it's like a really constrictive in spots. Like it's very intense. Uh, the album. I, I, I feel that way too. Like it's heavy. <clears throat> it's a heavier record. And that album cover almost counterbalances the heaviness of it a little bit. Yeah. People were really mad at the cover. Did you hear that? Did you see that? I saw a couple of people. Look, what are the people moan about everything? All no, but day long. Did, did you know that there's actually like, I, I don't know when you say, oh, there was an article in, and then you name a publication. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that there's like, that could just be somebody who works there who writes a blog, but it's on that website. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different yeah, yeah. thing now. You'd be at one point, you'd be like, there was an article. In, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, what I mean? yeah. and then you'd name right, a publication. Yeah. They'd be like, and then you'd be like, oh, well, it's on the website. It's a blog. You know, it's a guy who just said a thing. Yeah. But there was a Newsweek online thing. Mm-hmm. All my favorite music I find out from Newsweek. From Newsweek. There's a thing. And the article was, I mean, it was, let's, let's be real. It was an op-ed piece. Sure. Was about how some people on Twitter really don't like the record cover. Uh-huh. Which, the world has to be a really static environment for that to be a Newsweek yeah. article, I yeah. think. For the idea of when you just think of literally the title Newsweek. Yes. In <laughs> the, this week in news, yes. some people who may or may not like a band on this, really don't like the cover. On this other yeah. thing, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> so... Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those people are going to eat a heaping serving of humble pie, <laughs> James. When they see that, when they hear the album, they're like, oh, I get it now. When they hear that final song, right? It's a short one. It's a quick little. Yeah, but it keeps going uh, on. 12 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, like you've never ended an album like that before. Mm-mm. It's just kind of like, it's like, you know what remind me of a lot of the album? Remind me of like, like, uh, those Cure albums, like, like kind of like, uh, like, uh, not, not necessarily pornography, but like, what, what were the ones, the two before? Faith in 17 yes, Seconds. exactly. Yeah. Like that's, like there was kind of, kind of that, there's a vibe in that area there. Well, those are big records for me when I was mm-hmm. a, a kid. I went through a lot of I went through a lot of phases, and I realize mm-hmm. it's pretty funny when you when you look back at you're like, oh, that was a nine months when I was really into that band. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like you go through things kind of quickly, but the Cure was definitely a big thing for me for a bunch of years. What was the first Cure uh, that you remember hearing? What would, what would be the first time they were on your radar? Would it be like Love Cats, like that kind of? No, it would have been probably pornography. Okay, it would have been Hanging Garden. Okay, it was so that's like eighty three. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that that uh, that record, the top, was the first one I had. Okay, so that's like heard. eighty-five, eighty-six. I think that's eighty-four because that's right before <clears throat> Head in the Door. It, it, Head in the Door is eighty-six or eighty-five. I think it's eighty-five, eighty-six. Because it's like okay, so it's it's pornography again. 
Who knows pornography what then, years But then it's like Love out. Cats. Pornography, Love Cats, The Walk. Yeah. The Top, Concert, which is the live That's album right, that yes. includes Shake Dog Shake from mm-hmm. Top. Yes. Then it would have been Head on the Door. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's like an, a 10-inch called... I want to say octopus, but that's wrong. And then it's mm-hmm, standing mm-hmm. on a beach, and then it's kiss yeah. me, then it's the kiss me, kiss, kiss me, disintegration of the future stuff that I'm not. You know. I was kind of I was out the door on yeah. on the double album. Which one's the kiss me, kiss me? Yeah, kiss I was it's, because standing on the beach happened, mm-hmm. or staring at the sea, depending yeah. what format yeah. you bought. And for me, that was like a. I always tended to a band once a band tr- crossed into a certain size venue mm-hmm. I would begin to unconsciously dial out yeah and I, I get you with that because I was also which is a crappy point. thing to do well, but, it's, but it's all but it's a thing when you're at that age what are you trying to say when you're when you're a kid oh, yeah I was a kid when too. you're a boy when you're yeah that was uh you, you'd be like there was also that was also the rise of things that I could go see in a place that had that held two hundred people. Yes, and it's like, oh no, I think I'd rather go see the noisier thing. Yes, in the room where I can actually be right in front of the person mm-hmm. rather than in an even bigger venue for a record that I think I like less than the one before. Yeah, so it was like you also had the option of better. Yeah, it's not just like I'm not into this because they're in a big room. It's like. No, there's there's more personal options yeah. for me at that point. Like, because if you're a kid at that point, if Dinosaur Junior are doing Cure covers, and they're playing the Ritz, right? Who are you going to go see? You're going to go see the actual Cure at Madison Square Garden, or are you going to go the see Spectrum or the Spectrum? Yes, because now you. That brings up a good point. You're a New Jersey guy, right on the yes. line. Right on the line. I'm closer to Philly than New York. Okay, so you grew up in Princeton Junction. Yes. And which did you identify with more, Philly or New York? Well, when I was a kid, New York was much more intimidating, but mm-hmm. and so I, Philly was much more manageable. Like you go to like you could go to South Street and go to like Zipperheads and, mm-hmm. and like uh what was the other Skins. Okay. And you could kind of like deal with a really manageable size. And you go to New York, but I had a friend uh named Scott Waysman whose parents got divorced and his dad got an apartment in the village. So we okay. would go to New York. Yeah. So I had different relationships with each city. Yeah. You remember that first trip into New York with no parental supervision? Yes, I do. I skipped school and uh-huh. went with Scott and we went to New York and I bought this charming man, the 12 inch from Bleaker Bob's. Wow. And was humiliated by the record clerk. Uh huh. Cause I walked in and I just heard it on, we had really good college radio. I was really lucky. I was, we had, TSR from Trenton State. Yeah. We had PRB from Princeton. And we had RSU from Rutgers. Rutgers. So we had three different college mm-hmm. radio stations at all. Like, so at some point I could listen to punk rock almost all the time. Yeah. And I had heard this charming man and I really liked it. And I went into the, got on the train. It was like eighth grade or something and went to Bleaker Bob's with Scott. And I was like, I would like to get, um, do you have the Smith brothers? <laughs> and, uh-huh. and they're like, <clears throat> uh, I'm like, this charming man is like, what? I'm like this charming man, the Smith 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 brothers, and my <laughs> father had Smith brothers. There's like a you know, it was yeah. like a cough drops. No, but it was also I think a singing group. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought and, you were no, but and, and and the guy was like, and the guy looked at me and was mm-hmm. like, you mean the Smiths? And like kind of threw <laughs> just like threw the record uh-huh. at me like I was an idiot. Yeah, and I was 
you know, humiliated. You know, yeah. here I had come to New York with yeah. the rube. I might as well have had like a, a piece of hay sticking <laughs> yeah, exactly. out of my mouth, yeah. like yeah. a pair of overalls. Like and, the uh, beginning of like the Welcome to the Jungle video. Yeah, You're getting off the bus yeah. <laughs> with your suitcase yeah. and your and your backwards ball cap. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, overalls. Yeah, I, I really must have been like, you know, which way to the, you know. <laughs> yeah. But so, and then late, years later, I was like, wait a second. This was, before they were on Sire, it was import mm-hmm. only. And yeah. I was 13. Yeah. I was he like, just, give me a break. I like, couldn't spot you. <laughs> he just, he's like, I'm not giving that 13-year-old one inch. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, got like, to stick this perfectly. <laughs> but I kind of like, you know, I do feel like there's something. I, I, I'm not mad at that. I never uh-huh. got mad at record store jerks. Yeah. Like, record store jerks saved my life, man. Yeah, I remember. That's a shirt. I can make Record that. storage jerk saved, saved my, my life. life. Be a comma pretty good man. Should I do? You know, I don't know about the common man. man. Yeah. But we could, you know, <laughs> let's lose the common man as well. But we could, we could, mm-hmm. I could make that as a merch. Record store clerks. Record, record store, store jerks, jerks saved, saved my, my life. life. It's true. It's a good shirt. I remember going to Pier Platters Ooh, in Hoboken. Yes, I remember. Which Pier was, yeah. I still feel for my life, the greatest record store I ever got to be a part of was pure platters was the whole because it was kind of like at that point to me the best record store in new york was in hoboken where you actually had people coming from new york city Mm -hmm. taking the path train to go to this place in hoboken which is just kind of a testament to how how great this store was and i remember going in there and it felt like it felt like Seinfeld, like the soup Nazi thing where you just go and you just like slide the record in the, just like <laughs> politely, just like, I'd like to buy this. And then you're just humiliated. Yes. I'd like to buy this chills record, please. And they like look at you. And for some reason, they, they were nice enough to take a, to think I was like a, I was like a, you're a, right. a yeah, like this kid's like a clown. Like I was just like a goofball and they were just like, ah, that kid's okay. It's like Goodfellas or something. Yeah. Like, He's all right. Hey kid, go, go Must get your this. hair up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Go get us the paper now. Yeah. Like I'm going to get, <laughs> but then you talk to friends like, and they just be like, they treated me like garbage. It didn't matter like they're how, traumatized. Much, <laughs> how much money I went in there. I'd spent $300 and they'd still look at me like I was doing something wrong. <laughs> to them and I'd just be like oh I dodged oh boy did I dodge a bullet yeah. on that one yeah it, we had the Princeton Record Exchange which sure. for my money was, was the greatest record store yeah. one of the greatest record stores in the world yeah which I would uh, I would drive down and that's also I, me being in New Jersey I was between Princeton and and uh, Hoboken like I could go yeah. to either one uh, and uh, the great Don Rettman yep Princeton Record Exchange Holding it down, and you go there, and they had all the records on the floor. And every once in a while, you'd see Fred Schneider there looking at records, mm-hmm. like be like, "Is that Fred Schneider?" Like Fred Schneider's on his knees digging through crates, looking at albums. And you just watch Fred Schneider, <laughs> like looking for records. Like, yeah, this is not. I think I'm just gonna let Fred Schneider shop in peace. Yeah, and not. Not stare at him and yeah, that's not stare. So you as a young, a young boy, young Turk, a young Turk in Princeton Junction. Mm-hmm. What's the first stuff that kind of got on your radar that you were just like, oh, there's other stuff out there. Well, there's a couple of 
I guess there's a few phases. There's um, my brother uh, is ten years older than me, and so he was, in my opinion, you know, the coolest person. All right. Um, but he was like into like Todd Rundgren and Emerson Lake and Palmer and Yes and mm-hmm. the Who, the good and, stuff. Yeah, like but just like do, wait, kind of. No. Why are you laughing, Mike? <laughs> Mike, just get. This get this. Just I'm sorry, James. I have yes, yes, yes. Mike, this first of all, Mike. This is an A plus level guest here, <laughs> and you're laughing. This is not one of these rummies we usually get in here, clogging up the studio. This is this is a get. This is a get. Oh, for its pitchfork right now, they're transcribing this. There's gonna be six articles written about this radio show tomorrow on Pitchfork. <laughs> You're laughing it up, yeah, because 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 he says yes. Those I, first, I'll put those yes first five yes albums up against anything. I'm I'm actually we have uh, I'm an unabashed yes fan. And, like, and then this, of course, amazing. you should be. How can you like look? Did they did they lose it? Yeah, of course they did. Of course <laughs> they went off track. Well, also, what? How off track can you go if you've started from a like there? There was no way not to go off track when you've got yeah. Roger Dean. Flying fish ships yeah, exactly. undercovers. Yeah, like that's, so, well, they did tales of, from topographic oceans, which, sure, that's <laughs> fair. That is off track. Or that is, is it, or drama with you know who sings Trevor Horn? Trevor Horn's the and singer. Jeff Downs, the Buggles joined. Yes, yes. Who would who could have guessed that? Their manager. It's weird. That's that's management in action right there. That's Trevor, the guy, that's Trevor Horn singing "Man in a White Car." Yeah, but the idea of their manager's going like, like that's like a manager just going. Other uh, guy, uh, John Anderson, Rick Wakeman want to leave. What if I plug the buggles into that slot? <laughs> it's like, and then everybody's like, what? Yeah, video killed the radio. Yeah, just, they could do yes. Those guys like yes records. <laughs> they can, they're the singer and keyboardist now. It writes itself. Yeah. And then people showed up to Madison Square Garden. They had already sold out Madison Square Garden. And John Anderson is, is not there. And, and Rick, Rick Wakeman is not, not there. there. Yeah. But suddenly it's like, <laughs> wait, it's that guy from the Buggles? That's a guy with glasses yeah. yelling, you know, piping. Who can't sing any of the, can't hit any of the notes. <laughs> suddenly is like, boy, this sounds not so good anymore. <laughs> like, but that album, like that album drama, I'll stand by that album. Yeah. Man in a White Car, good job. Stand by all those Yes albums. Yeah. Look, okay, look, Relayer, maybe not so much. Relayer's my favorite one. Mm, I, the Patrick Moraz keyboard stuff is, <laughs> spooks me out a little bit. Yeah, I know, I hear you, but that was my, that was my, uh, I got Relayer and uh, Time and a Word. Those are my first two albums. Okay. So I'm, I have an attachment mm-hmm. that I can't avoid. But no, but, but so, anyway, you know so what? My, but my, what are we doing right now? We're talking about. Yes. There's so many fat. We're arguing about which part of yes is better than the other part. Mike. Are you a Jeff Downs man? Yeah, you, you know, exactly. Yeah. Patrick Morass, man. Yeah. One, out, one and done. One, yeah. Gates of Delirium. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that I stuff. Could li- I could listen to it, but it just, it fits like it's a little too jazzy. Yeah. No, I hear you. I just feel, but I'm in, I'm in for a penny and for a pound with them, well, you know? Close to the edge is a big one for me. I mean, close to the edge, you get no argument. It's like Starship Trooper. It's a monster. It's a monster. How about just... You know, we, you know, we played that at the last show. At the Madison Square Garden show. Yeah. But we, just a, that was a... What, what a sound. Yeah. 
Used beautifully in Buffalo 66. Yes, exactly. Prince Vince used it, Mike. Vinny G. Vincent Gallo. Prince Vince. You don't get it. The only Mike likes Brown Bunny. The only movie Mike's seen of Vincent Gallo is five minutes of Brown Bunny. And I'm not saying which five minutes. The opener. The opening five minutes. So, so you, you had your brother had yeah, all these so he records. had all these records. But he also had David Live. The okay, David yes, Bowie record. Sure. Which was at the Tower Theater? Yep. Yes. And so I'm, I guess that's, David Live's like 75? I think so, right? It's, so I'm, I think I'm about six years old. Okay. And, uh, he points to this record. We're in his room. And it's the beginning of like the rumblings of punk rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 76, maybe 77, but I think 76. Okay. And my brother, and I'm like asking my brother questions about the bands, you know, and I was like, because I just wanted to know. And when, when he would let me sometimes just sit in his room while he was listening to records and I could just, if I didn't sh- say anything, I could hang out and listen to records, which is a pretty cool thing mm-hmm. when you're six and your 16 year old brother is hanging out. Listening oh yeah. To no, that's the, that's like, that's like the, the, the autobahn now for getting up to speed. Yeah. You've got this fast lane. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have bigger fast lanes, which I will elucidate. But at this point, he's playing, you know, he points to David. He's flipping through his records and he points to David. He goes, you know, people are talking about punk rock. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the first punk rocker, my brother says. Um, And it's something about the cover was terrifying to me. He looked like a weird girlish ghost. And I was really like, I found it really compelling and f- it freaked me out mm-hmm. like i was kind of afraid of it the way that i was afraid of like slee stacks or something like you know irrationally yeah. kind of spooked by something and um which by the way slee stacks i don't know if you know what i'm talking about the Atlanta oh, yeah, what's scary about a thing that moves really slowly and can't do anything like they're really slow like they're really slow they're really slow i think part of what's scary about them is that you can't communicate with them yeah and they just <sighs> they're just coming after you yeah. and you can't say like Hey, but please, I just realized, uh, <laughs> me and my kids got I'm, in this raft. I'm and totally we went, cool with sleaze stacks. I'm fine with you guys. We're out of here in a minute. Just let me we were just on a raft and we went down a waterfall and yeah. we ended up, just let us get out. Hold, yeah. No harm, no foul, guys. We're yeah. just like, and they're just going, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> trying, to kill, trying to kill you. Anyway, so I was afraid of that. And then, so when I was, I still think I'm six and I was allowed to buy two seven inch records. I had a plastic record player that I inherited from my sister, like mm-hmm. as a hand me down. Mm-hmm. Cause I think she got, she was five years old and she got a stereo Okay, and got like Kansas and stuff like that. So I was like, bad I, Prague. Uh, yeah. U S Prague. Jesus. Prague. There's no such thing as U S Prague. Mm-hmm. There's U S art rock. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. I think you're, yeah, right. I'll buy that. But so I got, I went to the record store and what I wanted was I got the two singles. I got alone again, naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan. Sure. Because it was the 70s and I was a sensitive mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And I got Fame by David Bowie. Okay. Because I remembered my brother had had the... Yeah. And the vo- vocal on Fame scared me. Yeah. The diving, That's, Fame, I, Fame, 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 yeah. all that stuff. And I would have been a huge Beatles fan also, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that John Lennon was on it. For some yeah. reason, I just thought of it as David Bowie. Yeah. Um, And it, it took me till way, way later to put piece that together. But those are my first two records. Mm-hmm. But my best friend Griff across the street, his brothers all had really deep, weird record collections. Mm-hmm. His oldest brother was into like New Wave and had like the Knack. Okay. Like, and the Go Go's. Mm-hmm. His, his brother Glenn, who was the second oldest, was really into like 
scum rock, like really into like the Stooges and the Dolls and Dead Boys mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then his Grant, his the third brother, mm-hmm. uh, was really into like Sabbath and Iron Butterfly and like more into like acid rock. Yeah. And so like we'd go to their house and whichever room we were walking by was like a total education. The so we were running around. House. It was the coolest house ever existed. Nelson's. Yep. And we would go listening to, uh, mm-hmm. I remember when we were like little kids, we were running around playing, you know, gun. we didn't have toy guns. We had pieces of wood that we pretended were guns. We were shooting each other, singing Iggy Pop's dog food. <laughs> we just thought that was really funny. It was like, uh-huh. I'm living uh-huh. on dog food. Like we lo- it was like a, you know, it was like, yeah. it, uh, we didn't know that it wasn't more popular as popular as other things. That is, yeah. So you had a good. <laughs> I got had, real lucky. Yeah. Well, so what would be the first thing though? Can you think of a thing? That only made sense to just you, though, where even those kids didn't want any part of it. Like, where you knew you were kind of on your own path now. That's a tough one. Because the kids that I grew up with, it took me a while to realize that I I grew up with some pretty open-minded kids. So, like, you weren't really... Alone, like you were listening to, you know, like I liked the B 52s and mm-hmm. so did other of my friends. Yeah. I, what was the first thing that I was by myself with? But even no matter what it was, there was at least some other friend of mine mm-hmm. who was down with it. Yeah. Well, I got to say this you did not have, you had an experience very different from everyone else no, I who t- liked this. Stuff. I know this. I, I have to tell you, like, uh, Nancy from the band, um, when I described where I grew up, she was like, that's not real. And I was, it's real. Like I grew up in upside down town. Like yeah, that's it, it was it, like, I, first of all, I was mm-hmm. a really big kid mm-hmm. and really like Faye, like, mm-hmm. you know, I wore eyeliner and stuff and, and nail polish and, but mm-hmm. I was also just huge. So mm-hmm. I didn't get messed with really. Yeah. And I, and I could fight cause I'd grown up in this kind of farmy town and I grew up fighting. So like, you know, I wasn't just a big kid. I was a yeah, big yeah. kid who knew how to fight. And so, my experience of like the universal experience of like being an early punk rock kid, mm-hmm. I understood from movies, mm-hmm. but like I didn't experience it in my life so okay. much. Yeah. Like it was like a different, like, like a refracted experience. Like, I could see that how punk rock kids get picked on. Yeah. But they weren't not in your bubble. No. You were in they, and I just had a couple, yeah. I had good, I had some good friends. I mean, there's some dummies, but I just good friends who were like, down to listen to some stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like I was like, oh, well, you said, what did you like that other people didn't like? And I remember I, I liked the Psycho Candy when the, you know, and mm-hmm. Upside Down and sure. Vegetable Man and stuff when that's when the Jesus and Mary Chain came out. And but there was definitely friends of mine who were totally somebody, down. yeah. Because I can say from my experience, I remember a high school. I remember must have been freshman year of high school wearing a. Madness shirt to school because I had just seen Madness at the pier with opening was ministry open to the Arista. Wow. Era ministry. Yes, with, indeed. Big fan of the Arista era. I was a big fan. I saw that. I saw the, the, I saw them at City Gardens then when they, when, uh, what was it? Twitch would have been the album. I saw mm-hmm. that and I was like, I think I saw that too. They're different now. Yes. Yeah. Now they're super, I'm scared. At this show. But I remember wearing my Madness shirt to school and getting punched <laughs> because... I feel guilty for not having had this experience. Well, 
I have survivor's don't. guilt. Don't. I have punk rock survivor's yeah. guilt. You, I got punched and made fun of because the drummer in Madness, his drum set was nowhere near as big as Neil, Neil Peart's drum, drum set. set. Yeah. I remember just like, well, it just shows that this is some sort of like inferior <laughs> band where it's just like, you know, I actually could put together the biggest drum set anyone's ever seen. It's just money can build yeah. a bigger drum. But, yeah. but tell that when you get punched <laughs> in the hallway <laughs> that uh, that's what that's what it was like for for a lot of people. No, I know. I, I, I've come to learn that mm-hmm. in, that people from your planet were punched. Yes, we would get kind of knocked around. <laughs> So, so you took your trips to New York. You took your trips to Philly. Yep. And then you were also, you were a sound man at Maxwell's. I was a sound man at Maxwell's. I was a sound man at Brownies. Todd Abramson. Yep. Told me to say hi. Oh, really? That's very nice. And Tell he, him to save me some uh, peanut butter pie or whatever. That he wanted to know. He doesn't. He want, isn't sure what you're up to these days, but he wishes you the best. I I really loved that job. It was like fifty or seventy-five bucks, mm-hmm. and I would take the path was a dollar, mm-hmm. and and they'd feed you like you had like a menu, and you couldn't have any of the really high ticket items. Yeah. Not that there were yeah. particularly high ticket yeah. items at Maxwell's, but you could have below the line, like you could have the French dip or whatever. Sure, but you could also, and you weren't supposed to, I think, have the pie. But you, if you got to know the servers and mm-hmm. be friends with them, they might stick sure. a finger in a piece of pie and be like, okay. "Oh, I can't serve this one; it's yeah, ruined. It's got a fingerprint." It. Oh, he's. I'll tell you this, Todd's probably right now looking through a Rolodex <laughs> trying who to piece was together it? who the, <laughs> the wait staff the pie thieves. from 1997, who did you do sound for that you remember doing sound for? The one I remember the best uh-huh. is Alex Chilton. Okay. Um, and I remember it best because I was A, a huge Alex Chilton fan, and B, he was an incredible jerk. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I, <laughs> I had show, well, I had shown up super early to um, to sound check to be really, really ready. Yeah, and I brought my own microphones. I was brought mm-hmm. like nicer mics, <laughs> yeah. and everybody showed up but him. And the bass player was like, "Well, I was not here," and you know, um, and nobody helped me. Nobody told mm-hmm. me what he wanted. Okay, nobody was giving me any indication, uh-huh. and. The bass player, I had a, a, a nice mic that I set up for him, and it worked in his voice nicely, and then I got all this other stuff. And then the show starts, and Alston walks in with a guitar without a case and an amplifier, a little amplifier, okay. and plops it down. Mm-hmm. And I run up, and I mic the amplifier, and I get his microphone up there, and I'm like, okay. And he proceeds to spend the first song berating me. Like, he's like, okay, he's like, the band is vamping through the, you know, whatever yeah. the opening number is, like, sure. just kind of, just over and over, he's like, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, hey, everybody, I'm really glad to have a good, oh, sound man, hey, sound man, I can't hear myself, like, do you think I'm supposed to be up here to sing without hearing myself? And it's like, and like, like, nonstop, like, I have, uh-huh. I'm still running back to the console. Uh-huh. To get it going. Like, he's not been here for sound check or anything like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, boop, 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 pretty thick, lumpy voice. Sounds pretty bad up here. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you want to make it sound a little professional sound, man, because this is like, you know, this is not what I came here for. Like, just stream. And people are glaring at me like I'm ruining their experience of uh-huh. Alex Chilton. And 
uh, you know, finally, and I'm like taking, he's like, oh, how come the bass player, like, I don't want to be a jerk here, but like, how come the bass player's got a really nice mic? Why am I dealing with this beat up microphone? And I, you know, so I'm fixing, 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 fixing. And he just gets more and more aggressive and irate and uncharming about mm-hmm. it. Until finally I pick up, there's a talkback mic and I just turn up only in the monitors and not thinking, I'm like, maybe you should shut your face because like, there's a, I got a couple knobs here and you're a metal band. Like, this is what's happening here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in charge of what you, you sound are. like, yeah. you know, yeah. like this is, uh, <laughs> don't get off my back, man. And he kind of left me alone, but uh, went on yeah. and played the show. Yeah. And then Mike, I did sound for Mike Watt. Okay. And their van broke down. Uh-huh. And uh, Mike Watt showed up with everybody but the drummer. Okay. And grabbed me, and I'd been a huge, like, Minuteman fan. And sure. Grabbed me, and he's like, it's like, hey, man, you know, drummer had to stay with the van. You know, show's number one, band's number two. Can you play drums? And I, and I was like, yeah, you know, I can kind of play, I can, yeah, I can play drums. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you ready? And I was like, okay. So we're like setting up and it was an electronic drum kit. Mm-hmm. Like it was a really weird okay. scene. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was getting ready to play drums and the drummer, the band got picked up and the drummer showed up and they played their show. So I did not play drums with my quad. So you, you, but, but this is also now you at this point are, are revealing this tech. This this kind mm. of techie side of yourself, very, where you're, very techie. You're into sound. Yes, I'm a technical guy, and you're also into making music at this point, right? Yes. Well, because what was the bed? Pony. I was in Pony and Speed King during the nineties. Yeah. Because what do I remember? A double seven inch a Pony. Was there a double seven? It was a double seven. Which was the first thing we yes. made. Yeah. How much is that worth? I have I have that. I th- I think it's worth. I think I it's sold originally for, for the four. Five dollars. I think it's worth four fifty. So it's gone down. It's gone down, but it's only actually, gone down. It's pretty, I mean, it's, if I've it's taken used, a hit on I've taken a small hit on the pony. I've taken. I'm actually. I should have shorted the pony. You single, definitely should have shorted the pony. And I'd be, yeah. Um. So, because you were now, you're kind of have a foot in in the the music world. You get you decide to be in bands. And, well, I'd always. I mean, I'd been in bands since I was a kid. Sure. But being in bands as a kid, as much as my friends were mm-hmm. open-minded and awesome, they didn't play instruments very well, see, much. Well, see, that's the thing that you did that was different then. It wasn't a band that that they couldn't relate to. It was making music. Making music was a bit of a, of a hard So that's sell. the one thing they couldn't, yeah. that put you out on your own. But I did, I did, I did form bands, but they were always really, they were hard to hold together. Mm-hmm. And, but I put out, a, I did put out a, I put out a cassette Mm-hmm. In eighty five, of stuff that I made at home on four track. Okay, eighty five, eighty six, and then I put out. Then I made a goth album in eighty seven. Okay, in New Jersey. And what's the goth album? It's called? the band's called Falling Man. Okay, yeah. And the cover is uh, very reminiscent of the early Sisters of Mercy twelves, like okay. monochromatic, mm-hmm. black and white, black mm-hmm. and a color. See, what if then you would have done this cover for American Dream way back then? Bright blue, falling man. I couldn't afford it. it was, that's you know more. That was a two color process, man. That's true. So, look, I remember the color green on that pony single. Am I correct? Yes, green. It's I a remember green star. A fair amount of green. Green on that. star. So, you're making music. Sure am. Multiple bands. You're do, you're just doing everything you can to be involved in music. It sounds yeah. like. It well, sounds I, like- I I I felt more comfortable in a support role. Okay. I'd been a singing guitar player in high school in my goth band. Mm-hmm. I moved to New York and 
I kind of got, I, I, I decided to take college seriously. So I stopped mm-hmm. making music okay. for a while. And where'd you go to college? Uh, New York University. Okay. I've heard of that. Yes. Um, I went to, uh, Middlesex, uh, community. It, it was Middlesex, Middlesex Community College. At MCC. MCC. Yeah. Thank you. There are a lot of hardcore shows there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you can say this, but I know I am on the Wikipedia for a, of for a, a, like illustrious alumni. I think you might have some competition. <laughs> illustrious alumni of for, MCC? Yeah, and it's me and Well, I'm a dropout of NYU, so I don't think I'd get any Well, it took me many years to get through a 2-year college. <laughs> I was working full-time at the time and would just Oh, the community college experience, I'm telling you. That it just lo- rings it out of you. I had a lot of friends who were at M- M- MC Cubed, which was Mercer yeah. County Community College. Okay. They get it. That's a nicer school, though. Is than it? this one was. Yeah. This was just... Oh. But then you, but then again, you're growing up in the shadow of Princeton. Yeah. Which is where... You know what? That's where I wanted to go to school my whole life. Really? Whole life. Bill Bradley. Yeah. I didn't... I mean, I hated it. Because well, you were right, it yeah, was right well, and there. also because I was born in Princeton, yeah. and I still you walked. Have to hate it. But I walked around in the town I was born in, like on the street where the hospital where I like popped out, mm-hmm. and you know, and I felt like I was intruding, mm-hmm. like I felt unwelcome and uncomfortable. And these kids would show up every year, and they'd walk around in their pajamas, yeah. you know, like, they're yeah. just yeah. like, oh, it's, I'm in my yard, and and like. I'm like, I was born here and I'm, I'm holding the door awkwardly and I'm being glared at mm-hmm. and I'm uncomfortable. And you're just walking around in your underwear. Yeah. And outside. It, and you've been here for a month. Yeah. Your town is suddenly, you're a visitor. It's their your town. Yes. Town. Their, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I was a townie. Yeah. You were, I was like, full like town. Breaking away. Right? Breaking, yes. Break, it was full, I was a cutter. Yeah. You were a cutter. Riding yeah. your bike all around. I'll show. Princeton. My friend used to scream, uh, dreams are free out of, out of a car window. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you just wanted out then? Yeah. With that as your yeah, yeah. But I didn't leave after high school. I stayed around for a year and a half. Okay. And did you did you ever did you ever sneak into any of like did they have like those they had the those, eating club the parties? Eating club I didn't go to bands playing those. Yeah, but I didn't that? know this. Okay, so Pony got hired to play one of these eating mm-hmm. clubs, like the Terrace or the whatever mm-hmm. it's called, and it's nineteen ninety something. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's all meaningless blur, but yeah. The, the guys, I look over and there's a poster of all the bands that played here. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God. It's like all the years I've been living here, yeah. all the bands I wanted to see played there. Yeah. And I said. And they would have killed for somebody who actually cared about them being there. And I was just like, I said to the guy, I was like, wow, I can't believe all these shows mm-hmm. happened. You know, like, did you guys put, they had no idea where I was from. Yeah. And for <clears> people who don't know, these eating clubs, Princeton doesn't allow fraternities but eating clubs are some sort of not a loophole where they would have these private things yes. where you you go it's kind of a fraternity it's like yes. a soft fraternity it's a fraternity but in the but it's the guys singing uh in trading places constance fry you know it's it's a different mm-hmm. kind of fraternity <laughs> uh-huh. yeah so but they would book bands and have these like shows and things amazing and they yeah. pay really well cuz yeah. they had the money and so I asked, I said, you know, how, why, 
I was like, did you ever put, do you guys put up flyers and stuff? And he goes, oh no, you just, the place would be crawling with townies. And I just instantly just grabbed him by the throat. Yeah. I was just like, you're paying a townie tonight. I was like, I wanted to beat him to death. Uh-huh. Um, just on principle, you know, yeah. just to live up to what they were afraid the townies would do. I remember going to see Sebado at one of those eating club shows. <laughs> they just had a big New York Times article written about yeah. the Sebados great band and they just had Jason Lowenstein just joined them he's like this little kid with them now like an 18 year old with them and they're in this eating club no one cares they do the greatest show I've ever seen and then they go play their big New York Times article show at CBGB's and they do the most self-destructive show that was like they did like the anti-show for for everyone there and the the show that no one saw they did the most perfect show for nobody what 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 record is this three three okay this would have been three this is when i saw i saw i did sound for them Mm -hmm. no i didn't i actually just went to see them at maxwell's yeah that pair and i thought they were great yeah they were they were great that was a fun time. It's still a fun time. It's always a fun time if you try to make it. If you if, if you care about fun, if you're it's not always in excruciating time. pain, it's a fun time. That's a that's a good way of putting it. Mike, write that down. That's another shirt. I want you, you put that on a shirt. I wanted to see you at Brooklyn Steel, Mike, in line at the merch thing. You're going to buy two shirts. What was the other one? Record store jerk saved my life. Yeah, that's a good one. And. If you're not in excruciating pain, pain, this one might not sell as much. <laughs> if you're not in excruciating pain, it's always it's always time. it's always fun it's or always, always a good. It's always a good thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Always, so remember. so when does when does when does the the, the, the how, uh, LCD sound system when does the concept hit you? Because it hit you first as a as a recording thing, not a like the live band was a, was like a theoretical extension of the the records well the first iteration in any form mm-hmm. of lcd sound system came when pat mahoney drummer mm-hmm. extraordinaire of lcd sound system and i were playing he had he had a uh in brooklyn they had he lived a, with a bunch of other guys in like the savi five mm-hmm. um in a what was a former knights of columbus hall Okay. And they kind of just like constructed weird rooms out of sheetrock in into this in this big hall, mm-hmm. and they were having a like a I don't know it was like I think it was a Christmas party okay. where people were playing things were going to happen, <clears throat> and Britt Walford at the time was living I think was maybe living with me squirrel bait yeah and uh, so Pat and Britt played drums and I played bass okay. and that was. And it was, it was, it was a liquid, it was a crisp, we were talking about it as like a liquid, liquid Christmas band. Okay. So then we were talking about as liquid Christmas display. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then we were LCD. That's where that first came from. Okay. And I just saw Britt. We played in Louisville and I just saw him for the first time in a long time. Hi, Britt. He's, I mean, in case. Mm-hmm. Very talented guy. Yes, very good drummer. That was a weird thing when you think about how talented that band of dumb kids were like really tiny kids. Yeah. The yeah. footage of them playing in the basement in the, in Lance bangs movie. Yeah. When they're playing and you're like, Oh, the engineer didn't do that at all. That's what those guys as teenagers sounded like. They yeah. look like they're about 11. Yeah. And that, uh, and that slint 
thing. I saw yeah. Slint that I was at that Slint show that he had the footage in the New Brunswick. Right. That I was, was not at that. They played for an hour. Nobody knew who they were. <laughs> they just put, they were just like, we're the opening band. <laughs> and they played for an hour. And they played for like the opening band. Just like, Hey, I think we're going to stretch out. They opened for uh, the band, the blisters who I was friends with. And they were like, Hey, we're the, they knew him from Squirrel Bait. They're just like, oh, these, the guys from Squirrel Bait, this is their new band. They want to play. And then they're just like, we play a little longer than the opening. Then we came, we're, you know, we're driving around. And then they played for a full hour. Which and, is, which people don't realize, that was crazy. Oh, that's the most insane thing. When no one knows who you are. Yeah, you play for 25 minutes. That we're going to stretch <laughs> out to this degree. And everybody was just <clears throat> locked in on it. So, yeah, so you're with, you're with Britt Walford. And Pat yeah, yeah. and that's you. That's the first injury. That's sometime mm-hmm. in the 90s. And, and Gavin Russum did a magic show that night at the same place. And we didn't okay. know each other. Okay. But um, then I guess I started making stuff in around 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. 99, mm-hmm. that era, I started mm-hmm. just recording stuff on my own. And was it was was it a was it a f- – what, what's the line like when you think of coming out of – I'm going to say ostensibly you're coming out of indie rock in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of, there was not a lot of love for, no, for new wave or for dance no. things or for anything that wasn't indie rock right. coming out. So you, so you're kind of adding a whole other element there and a thing you, an entirely different field, genre that you have a, a love for. Mm. And what's, what's the, what's the collision of that like? Well, it, at the time, it seems funny to even say that it was weird to do, yeah. but it was weird to do. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of, I mean, I met Tim Goldsworthy, um, and we had started working together as DFA, like, mm-hmm. cause he had come over with, uh, David Holmes was the first project in the studio, and he was, he had come over to produce and program David Holmes, and we hit it off. <clears throat> so we stayed and we made DFA. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was cool. Like, he was, like, a cool person. Like, people were like, hey, that guy's cool. And, like, would write articles about him. And he was an uncle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, <clears throat> he's cool. He's got to be cool. He's an uncle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, they were cool people. Yeah. I didn't know any cool people. Yeah. My friends were, like, Six Finger Satellite and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Another, so, yeah. another cool band. Really, but, you know, cool in retrospect. But at the time, people were like, these guys are weird. Isn't it amazing? Isn't that <clears throat> some certain things get lost with mm-hmm. time. One is that some some things were so unpopular. Yes. Like with, staggeringly. Yes. The idea that a band like Six Finger Satellite, just one of many bands. Yes. Or the Hydrogen Terrors. No traction. <laughs> no one. They didn't move the needle when they would come to town because it was just oh. it's another band coming through. Right. Another and, Providence. Yeah. I mean, but, people would see them, but it was not like, I mean, certainly like Archers of Loaf were moving a lot more units. Well, that's exactly, and that's the thing, and it's it's not even like it was a race or anything, but it's but history kind of blurs changes that, that part yeah. of it. That that's why when you see a movie about like the seventies, like everybody's listening to, or the eighties, like everyone's listening to cool music. No, they're not. No, like it's not what was happening. The music people in the in the eighties were listening to is music that kind of came out in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Like if you ever hear yeah. music that came out like literally in nineteen eighty where it's like Little River Band. Yeah. And like it's like just stuff like that that was like 
still kind of the 70s. 867 Yeah, like these – yeah. It was so not cool. Yeah. But, but that part of it, isn't that always amazing when you see certain things – No, like everybody's you, listening to Killing Moon by Echo and the Bunny Man yeah, or something. exactly. Where it would just be like, <laughs> like, yes. No, they're not. Yeah. No, those people were listening to maybe Private Dancer – yeah, by Tina Turner. Maybe that actually yeah. might be even stretching it. Yeah, it was probably. Well, we we said we talked before the show. Is it? We were at the same show at Great Adventure. Yeah, we saw the fix. Yes, we did. Not the touch and go. Not one X. No, X. the two X's. The two X. Re, re, of reach the beach fame. Saved by zero. Yeah, saved by zero was the big one. One thing leads to another. That was actually one that thing leads to another. That was huge, the big one. Yes, they were. And I have I the I have the records after that. I had the two, yeah. the one that had Reach the Beach. Reach the, the Beach, one. and uh, that's, what's the one after that? Well, there was uh, Reach the Beach wasn't the second one. Didn't they have the one that had Saved by Zero was the first album? Really? Had the first, I think, and then Reach the Beach had One Thing Leads to Another on it. I think. Oh, again, if there's only a way to find if out, there's only these some things. method. Yes. So look, I'm not meaning to talk about the fix here. But that thing where history yes. is interesting. The other thing that's interesting is now that it's so much more accepting of things. The idea of yeah. – it was like a straight up – I was a kid reading rock magazines and there would mm. be like Led Zeppelin fans and Clash fans. That was like considered – they were at war yeah, with Yeah, they going to have other. a hammer fight yeah, in the street. Like, yeah. The idea that pick what side you're on, man. Yeah. Are you with the Clash or are you with Led yeah. Zeppelin? Can yeah. like both. Yeah, you can. And That's then, impossible. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, oh, I think I like both. I think I like the Clash. I like this double album, but I also like the Led Zeppelin albums I, I have also. D- did you see 20th Century Women? No, I did not see Okay, it. there's a really good scene – in the film, um, where a kid, the, the kind of the kid main character, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which we can presume is the director stand in in a way. Sure. As what we, it might not be true, but it's mm-hmm. what we presume, um, is at a skateboard, like half pipe. Mm-hmm. It's in like, it's maybe 1980, okay. somewhere in there. Sure. Sure. Wearing a talking heads. Like shirt from the seventy seven era. Yeah, no, that's and another kid mm-hmm. who's a black flag fan beats him up. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the first time mm-hmm. someone's believably acknowledged that you, oh, weren't, the, allowed that you weren't allowed to like both. To yes. like both. Yes. I mean I did like both because yeah. I grew up in a we mm-hmm. my town was a vacuum of there were no rules. There was no mm-hmm. like you couldn't be into this, you could be into that. It's like anything weird was okay for me and, okay. and my friends. Yeah, like so for me again, just to remind you, man, this shirt punched in the face, <laughs> not the face, the chest. <laughs> ah, well, that's you know, in the sternum or the but, chest, like knock the wind out of you. Kind of, kind of not not oh. the stomach, that thud of the chest. <laughs> Of like a scrawny <laughs> high school student makes your whole body reverberate like it's Ooh. a point. His fist could have just gone all the way through me. And you make a sad like ooh, ooh. <laughs> like a ooh, yeah. It's like then yeah. But, just reminding you, yeah. no. But that was a thing, you know. And when like when 
things became when I became more aware that there were scenes, which I didn't really understand. Like yeah. I'd be like, I'm listening to Ministry and I'm listening to Black Flag and I'm listening to the B fifty twos and I'm listening to the Violet Femmes and I'm listening to the Cure. And like all this seemed totally appropriate. Yeah. And then I got a little older and realized that like a bunch of these people hated each other. Yeah. And fans of one would loathe fans of the other. And I found and once I found the first scene 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 mm-hmm. that I ever saw was because I was a uh, I used to go to city gardens. Mm-hmm. We'd see like hardcore scenes. Yeah. And that was really overwhelming for me mm-hmm. because for me, like punk rock and all this weird stuff was mm-hmm. like, it was really queer. And I don't mean like gay necessarily, mm-hmm. but I mean like really queer and conf- like, it wasn't like dude stuff. It wasn't and, macho. And stuff was so macho on the other side of the street. Like that's the yeah. thing. Like hardcore was so macho. Punk was so that by that point, right. what would be punk would was super dude. Yes, but I but to me it was like I never I, that was so uh, uh, confusing to me because mm-hmm. I was like this feels like there were elements that felt like really footbally, like really like yeah. like guys gonna call each other names and beat yeah, each yeah, other yeah, up yeah. and stuff yeah. like that and like like a lot of homophobic stuff and like you know and I was like whoa you know a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Like, I was listening to the Smiths. Like, this is weird uh-huh. to be here right now. Yeah. I remember calling into a hardcore show on, on um, and I, I was quite optimistic and evangelical. And I wanted them to, I called it a hardcore show and I was like, can you play the Smiths Handsome Devil? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, oh, thank you so much for calling in. Do you know my show? And I was like, totally. I hear what you're playing and I'm, I like it. Mm-hmm. I just think you might like handsome devil it's like connor rips and like yeah, yeah. and he's like oh okay, okay. Uh-huh. and he like acquiesced to play yeah. it uh-huh. but was like say hey, this was a call-in like like kind of apologizing mm-hmm. for playing the smiths on the show but handsome devil stay my head that, that song rips it's it it i get it completely now now it's, everything's it's so great yeah. but it's so great yeah. when you think about the idea that it's just a smear of everything the idea that like you would get if you said like, "Hey, you know, I like I kind of like these Hall and Oates records," yeah, be just like hunted down in the street. <laughs> now that's like considered a cool reference. It's just like, "Yeah, those are great records." Yeah, Hall and Oates records are awesome records. Yeah, look, it's definitely the better version of it is happening now. Of what? Of people accepting yes, all yes, 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 music. Yes. yes, but it then you were definitely you found your you found a club, and if you had your foot in. You're in different different camps and stuff. You, I mean, look, I would go buy stupid. I w- I saw like Erasure at the Ritz yeah. and all the. I would go see these things and it was just like, I wasn't going b- back in high school with the talking all about Erasure. Nobody <laughs> wanted to hear about that again. Do, do you remember madness, seeing the kid with the madness? Did you remember seeing really? The, I didn't. I don't want to know what he would have thought of Erasure. What do you think? Do you remember the first time you saw? I'm assuming you saw the video for Small Town Boy by Bronski. Yeah, B. yeah. And did you ever see it at the time, like on U68 or whatever thing yeah, it would have been? Yeah, yeah, do, do you remember? Like, I remember how impactful that yeah, was. It was like, like the saddest thing I'd ever seen. It blew my mind. Like, it yes. was an amazing – it was an amazing – and then we're mm-hmm. talking now – people talk now about, like, you know, oh, like being gay is being – it's coming out. And all this. it was like, mm-hmm. go check – the rest of television when was, Bronski beat made that, that video. was that was like that was a full on statement that reached 
for me, just being a kid in the suburbs and not having anything say that that world was out there. That was the first time I knew that there was, that this is a world and this is the struggle. Yeah. What a massive thing. I I remember seeing that and being like, wow, like that is, Mm -hmm. that's the, for me, that was like the, the punkest thing I could imagine. Like, you know, what a, years before people were willing to like be an artist and be like, Hey, I'm, you know, yeah, like, or just be able to identify wherever they identify. Yeah. And now, but then it was just like the the default setting was that you're just like a you're just going to be like a straight kid if you're in the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. That was like the it was a very a different time. It was a different yeah. time. It really was a different time. And so, I think people want to say that it's it was better then because you went through hardship, so you feel like everyone needs no, to be punished no, with you your don't. bad stuff. <laughs> That's but people do. They're just yeah. like like well, it was hard. You know, I got kicked in the nuts all the time for what I listened yeah. to. You should be kicked in the nuts. Yeah, too. Like, like no, that was no, terrible. You're better off not mean, getting kicked in the nuts. Mean That's, people being terrible to you because yeah. of things is not good. It doesn't yeah doesn't imbue strength. Yeah, exactly. It just makes. Just puts more bad stuff in the world. It just makes you scared when someone taps you on the shoulder to ask if you want popcorn at the movie. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. Now, yeah. Man. Oh no. Look. Okay. I'll go buy the guy in Madness uh, some Roto Toms. Yeah. How about that? I have some Christmas money. I, I what some, if I go get seventeen splash yeah. symbols of different sizes? I'll go get him. Uh, yeah. Uh, the China Boy High. I'll go get him a, a twenty-two inch China Boy High. Yeah. That sounds like a autobiography of one of the it sounds it sounds like yes it sounds like (laughs) it's a china boy high the story of (laughs) Of sylvain yes (laughs) so james murphy you not to just keep staying in the past sorry i love the i love it too i love it for another fellow jersey yeah fellow fix fan and the thing is just to one thing from the people when you mentioned city gardens is a thing people that another thing that's lost to time City Gardens was in Trenton, New Jersey, yep. which was which was a terrifying city, oh, yeah. like a real rough <laughs> it was city. A terrifying street with a terrifying club in a terrifying city. Yes. It was a black box yeah. dropped in like an industrial area where they an would industrial park seem, off of the highway. It seemed like where they were stripping cars, cars yeah. they would steal cars, and this is where they would repaint them or strip them for parts. It would be a law, a lawless net of impunity. Yeah, you could do whatever you wanted there. There was yeah. nothing. And you'd park your car there, and you would with just other be like, people. Yeah, and you just you could never walk back to your car alone. You do not go into the parking lot alone. No. That's rule number one. It was so terrifying. But everybody played there because it was a show that they could do between Between Philly and New New York. York, Yeah, Yeah. so you'd get all these bands playing there. What shows do you remember at City Gardens? Well, my first show, my first show of any kind ever Mm -hmm. was a City Garden show of the Ramones. Okay. And that was, it was amazing. And also I was stunned by how traditional the songs were. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling you know, the, both the, the, the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, that my first experience of them was that they were not as weird as I thought they would be, but mm-hmm. awesome. And the second show was Iggy Pop, and they were within, they were the same week. So you were at City Gardens twice in one week. Yeah, when I was pretty little. Yeah. And then so, I became a bouncer there. So you were a bouncer at City Gardens? Yeah, in the late 80s. And what, what's it like being a bouncer at City Gardens? I thought, my parents didn't like me going there, but they didn't know the half mm-hmm. of it. 
And yeah. my parents had no idea if they would have known that that's what that place was. Yeah. Because there's also no way of searching that. Yeah, you couldn't like, Google City Gardens yeah. and be like, you know, cross-reference murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. City Gardens slash murder. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I thought it was what punk clubs were like. This is what, mm-hmm. this is what I thought everyone had to deal with to go mm-hmm. to a punk show. And they made a documentary a few years ago yes. where they interview all these pretty hard bands mm-hmm. who had pretty rough reputations. And they're all like, city gardens. Like that was the scariest place. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I was a pretty, like yeah. I was a pretty naive, you know, goofy kid from a little town. And, and I was like, mom, what are you worried about? I'm just yeah. going to the show. Everybody yeah. goes. It's no big deal. And I never, luckily I didn't say the facts and I didn't even know to hide them. I was like, mm-hmm. we don't go in the parking lot alone. Nobody would do that. It's like, but that's just, yeah. you shouldn't go to a place where you, sh- where you absolutely cannot go to the parking lot by yes. yourself. The idea of going to the park and going back to your own car. Yeah. Is somehow foolhardy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like you go when the show is yeah. over with everybody else. Yeah. And now it's like, that's actually kind of lets you know what, like, like, like we're dudes. It's like, that's like, what women go through. That's just called life. That's yeah. like a Wednesday. But it's like, like, like when, like that's the only time I think I've experienced what, like, I think like women when they're scared going places. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've been, I'm lucky enough to be a big guy also <laughs> that that wasn't a thing. And yeah. Oof. Yeah. But that city gardens, man, that was some scary stuff. So you, who did you, do you remember bouncing people? As yeah. A I, had to, I had to bounce a guy. I've, I've, I've this isn't the first time I've, I've told this anecdote, but I, okay, I was a kickboxer mm-hmm. and my kickboxing coach, Juan Del Castillo, mm-hmm. was, uh, also, uh, the head bouncer or something. He was like one of the main bouncers at City Gardens. And so when he needed people, he would just grabbed people from the, the Tang Sudo class. Like, hey, you're, can you want to be a bouncer at the club? Yeah. Okay. Just don't tell him you're 18 or whatever. Yeah. Cause you had to be 21. And, uh, I mean, I'd been going there for years, but I just looked older. I was like a big guy. So, mm. you know, and it was also that back then they didn't really care about carding you. No, nobody cared. Just like, just don't be stupid. Yeah. Like, right? don't just so get, keep like, your head thing. down. Yeah. I remember at City Garden, some guy just like, just don't drink. Okay. I'm like, I don't know. I just want to see the band. It's like, yeah. Okay. Just go. Like Randy. Yeah. yeah. But they, um, uh, I would, I, so I started bouncing there and like there was, it was, Okay, there were rules. You couldn't wear Doc Martens with white or red laces. You could only be enter in mm-hmm. with Doc Martens with black laces if you had Doc Martens or combat okay. boots. You couldn't wear uh suspenders. Okay. Because we had so many fights with skinheads. Yeah. Like just coming in and beating just 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 in groups and beating people up. Yeah. Which is awesome. Way to go. Mm-hmm. And so there were all these people that weren't allowed in because they'd already been thrown out. And mm-hmm. one of these guys, this massive guy, and my coach, uh, instructor, head bouncer guy, the rule was if he gave you this little like, uh, flick of the nose, flick of the nose a la Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. then that guy's hit people or headbutted people without provocation and you should drop him. Okay. Now, you, the way you had, you weren't allowed to haul back and punch anybody. You get in mm-hmm. big trouble. So what you had to do was like place your hands on their chest, like, hey, mister, hey, we gotta, you know, we mm-hmm. hey, take it easy and find their sternum. The little place. Sure. And oh, then, I'm familiar. The guy with yeah. the, 
the I, Neil Peart fan yeah. showed me where my sternum was. <laughs> and you just do a little, a little quick punch, mm-hmm. short punch yeah. shot to the sternum, and that usually knocks the wind out for a second, mm-hmm. where, at which point, one or you or one other guy, we'd throw them, there was a back door in the back bar of City Gardens. There was the whole front area, and there was the yes. back bar. Yeah. Uh, the back bar, I think, is where John Stewart would bartend. Yes. And we would just kick the, open the door, mm-hmm. throw the guy into the street, into the, into the parking lot. Okay. Alone. Okay. And yell, get out of here, racist, and mm-hmm. other things. But sure. you'd make sure to yell, skinhead racist, mm-hmm. because that would mean he would likely barely escape the parking lot with his life. Yeah. Because <laughs> people sure. would just come out of the woodwork and beat him senseless. Yeah. That's like, he's like chum now. Yeah. <laughs> he just so literally weird. throw the, the brave racist with his 30 friends alone into the Trenton parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was a really, that was, so that's what you did. You just throw them out and then you never had to beat anybody up. They got beat up. So now you, 2017. 2017 me. 47 sound system. You're playing shows. Yes, I am. And you look at the kids in the crowd, mm-hmm. and they're like when it's like when it's getting hot and heavy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. it's like it's going nuts. And then you're just like, are you ever just like, that's not nuts, guys? <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen nuts. Yeah, nuts should be one of your heads should be rolling across the floor, detached from your shoulders. No, because I think by the time I was. Being kicked in the face in the middle of a pit at City Gardens, it was already retro. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? But like, I experienced no like uh-huh. genuine mosh pit from the seventies. Like, yeah. I didn't gob on Nobody people. Was gobbing. Yeah, I, we, like, we all missed gobbing. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> sad. And like, oh, for the most part, you also, imagine that it was yeah, it's just being spit on. Look, you could. Just your, nobody your, likes that. Your biggest problem are these stupid cell phones. Yeah. Can you imagine if your biggest John problem... John Lydon's getting gobbed getting on. Gobbed on. If, <laughs> if you're just like, look, everyone... Or you're Iggy Pop and you get hit in the head with a bottle. Yeah, please. Or you're like, like in the 70s when they'd be at concerts, you'd be like, kids would go to concerts like... Rip up the seats and throw them at the street. Michael, yeah, that. Or you'd go and be like, hey, you know, my favorite band is Aerosmith, so I think what I'm going to do is throw this M80 at them. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can blow up my favorite band. It's like the mentality. But you're just like looking at you see cell phones. You also could it also could just be Look, I'm glad it's where it's at now. And also, put the cell phone. That cell phone thing is Look, when I see you guys, will I take a picture when the disco ball goes off? Yes, because you can't see that. I'm at the back of the room. The, the lights have changed. You're not looking at my phone. I'm a quarter of a mile away from you. Actually, that's the easiest time to see people with their phones. Is when the ball goes up. Because there's zero lights in our eyes. But I'll go all the way in the back. All right, I don't get it. I'm not doing. I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to draconianly ruin people's me- me- memory making. A, you're wrong. You're not wrong. That's yeah. the thing. I'm on your side. <laughs> I go see a thing, and then people start. It's it's like the tide is turning with the cell phone. Thing. People like, have been really amazing about it. I've seen yeah. a lot fewer now. Yeah, because I think people are getting the recognition that they're not going to watch their crappy, yeah. distorted yeah. cell phone video, and that all you maybe need is one picture. Yeah, to show you were there, and you take it, and As then if, you can put it away for the rest of the night. Nobody nobody believes you anymore. You need proof. 
It's so I need weird. to sell buttons that say I was there? Would that just be too on the nose? Maybe that's maybe that's another thing. So we're just we're just redoing just make, the merch table I now. Just, I, I mean, it would be, we always used to joke that I should make we should make like really hack corny merch. Uh-huh. Like the, uh, he's losing his edge with an arrow to the guy next to you. Like uh-huh. just really like really uh-huh. wrong, wrong headed. Yeah, you know. Then you'd be. Daft Punk is playing at my house! Exclamation point. Like just, <laughs> yeah, <that's> so, <laughs> it'd just be like like in bubble letters. That would be, yeah. Look, do you, someone else is going to start making. You're going to. Do you think they don't already? Just you know. Oh, I'm sure they look. It's at the corner of Google and iPhone. You can find all that stuff. You find yeah, a lot of bad merch. Look, you can see in the front of my computer. Look at that. Scene. I saw. I was wondering if that was our our, our mall. Yes, it is. Nice. I, I taped it on there. It wasn't a sticker. It was from something. I don't know what. I dig it. So, so it's let, hard to move forward with us. We're yeah. just gonna, you know. But let's. But I'm just watch this. Watch how I do this. Wow, this is now a, it's two thousand. Let's say it's two thousand. When 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 do you pull the plug on the on on the band? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Actually, technically, say tr- plug pulled two thousand ten. Okay. Flood drain, water drains out 2011. In April of 2011. Yes. At what point in that, what point did you, did the concept of, of ending this thing dawn on you? It had been going on since the making of Sound of Silver. Like I'd been, okay. I kind of, there was a lot of me just being like, I, mm-hmm. this is the last thing. This last sure. Thing. And while making this is happening, I felt like, well, I kind of felt like I was signed to EMI. Mm-hmm. And they were not making a good amount of money on me. Um, I think, you know, they were doing fine. But, like, you know, we were not going to recoup. We were not going to be. And they were going to have to pay more for the next record. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, it dawned on me that this is happening is probably, I was like, this, we're never going to get paid to make a record again. This is it. That's why we rented a mansion mm-hmm. in You're Los Angeles. Like, we were like, let's do it. This is yeah. our last chance to be like, yes. you know, have some weird seventies recording experience, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so you get the mansion. So we get the mansion, we do it. And I was like, so I was already kind of like, this is, this is a swan song in yeah. one way or another. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> and do you feel like that's coming? I'm not to cut you off. Do you feel like that's coming out of you growing up or with like the idea that there were so many bands in indie rock and just that they would just be like in and then they would be out. Well, no, I just feel like, like, okay, I really like Pill, mm-hmm. but I really love the first three records. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I really like the the, the Talking Heads, mm-hmm. but like, I really love Up Through Remain in Light. You know what I mean? And I, yes. and I, and I really like Speaking in Tongues as well. But, you know, like, it's hard to keep making music at, like, your best place. That's one thing. Okay. Two, I never liked the idea. This is going to sound weird. The way American bands work, the way bands work in America, I would say, is if you stick to it, even a very unlikely band can be very big. Mm-hmm. REM, 
Like, yeah. you know, like you sure. just like REM became one of the biggest bands in the world. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to call that at reckoning. No. You know what no, I mean? Like it, we we yeah. weren't going to like this was a pretty weird band. Yes. They, that every time out, they took a big step. Yes. Forward. Uh, the Cure were a enormous North American touring concern. Yeah. The U2 mm-hmm. were not the, you know, the most likely success story. <clears throat> no, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. The is, Chai Peps. They have sudden, somehow, they are. They're like the Rolling Stones. Yes. They are an American mm-hmm. institution. Yeah. You keep. Because they didn't. Break Go up. Away. Yeah, you keep doing it. And you get bigger. You know, in England it's different. I think if you have to you have to keep changing, you have to keep, you know, mm-hmm. moving and shifting or everyone just goes, ah, you know. Um There's only so much ground to cover also. Yeah. So I was like and the like our people around us were like, Oh, the next record's gonna be a big record. Okay. And that made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It made me very uncomfortable to feel like I'm a competitive person by nature. I kind of want to be challenged. I like being an underdog. I enjoy, you know. So From the New I- Jersey. Yeah. Joyce. And so uh, the idea that like all we had to do is not screw up mm-hmm. and make another record, which would likely be not quite as good, mm-hmm. you know, tired, touring, you know, bah, and it would be bigger. Just by the force, yes, of- by the f- sheer force of of other bands breaking up and getting mm-hmm. into fights and falling apart, and us being like the last one standing, I found really depressing and unmotivating. Okay, and uh, I mean, similar to like, you know, when I when I graduated from high school, all, most of the kids in my school went to college. I didn't want to go because it just felt like, why do I want to do just what's expected, like what's next, like what. These are supposed to be important decisions. It's like, I don't want to marry the person who's my girlfriend because I'm a certain age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you just, you want to, you want to have something special happen. Sure. And, and you've always kind of questioned that the patterns of things. Yes. It's, I mean, I'm really, I'm, uh, that's how I think about stuff. So for me, it was just like by breaking up the band, like something, I felt like something really good would come of that. Like that was like the right thing to do. I could move on with my life. And mm-hmm. before, before we got successful and I became like, well, maybe I'd need all this money like that we're getting now that we're big, you know, like all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I didn't want to live a life like that. I'd always been, I rented an apartment. It was fine. You know, I had reasonable economic needs, you know, it just felt like that would make more sense. And I know that sounds a little kooky, but it, well, it, it made sense to me at the time. It makes sense. And the, the, another part that is that you certainly, when you started, you did not get into it with money as the prime motivator. Here. No, I remember there was this, there was a couple, um, you know, people on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, P O P O T I potties. Sure. And there was like, oh, this is like all a play for money. And I'm like, who gives up their primary source of income as a big play for money? Yeah. Um, you know, we lost a fortune at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like we didn't charge enough for the tickets. We didn't make anything. We spent mm-hmm. way more on production and building these stupid spaceships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was a bloodbath. But it was like what we wanted to do. We were all mm-hmm. like totally psyched about it. Yeah. But I didn't make – I did not – Making music didn't become a thing that earned more than it cost until I was 35 years old. 
And I'm not saying that it's like a that's like a bad thing. I was quite happy. Like I made music. Making music was my like the thing I wanted to do. And so like I had a job that I could pay my bills with that I would use that money to make music. Like that was what I. That's how I associate with music. So like the idea of it like being a career that late in my life felt very weird. Yeah, because that. Uh... If I was 19 and we were like, kaboom, I'd yeah. be like, yeah, I deserve this. This is, where's my other bag of money yeah. and stuff? Because right off the bat. Where's my cocaine fountain? You're coming, yeah. Cocaine fountain. You can, mm. Mike? Where's the cocaine fountain? Where, where's James's cocaine fountain? You got the rider, right? He said it's in Bayonne. He'll oh. show it to you after the show. That the, I would not do. You had to go with like go th- with in three different cars. <laughs> yes. It's down this road. Come on. It'd be like, come on. It's over here. You got 150 bucks, found. right? You got 150 yeah. bucks in cash, For right? For the cocaine found. Turn it on. Yeah. So right off the bat, you're, you're coming at this. You're, you're a little older than the, the, the average bear. The average bear. Yeah. So you're coming at it with a different, a different perspective on worldview. Yes. You've got a different worldview. And there's that thing that, that like, when you think of, like, Francis Coppola, mm-hmm. a guy like that. He, Frankie C. Frankie C. His goal was... Frankie C. Town. Frankie C. Town. I love his <laughs> low-rent grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, he was always just like, the only point in having money is to use yeah. the money. Yeah. And that's why he would always go broke. Yeah. And then, but then would go direct another thing and then wouldn't be broke. Right. He could always just ride the ride. Yeah. And it would go up and then it would go down. Right. But his whole thing was, this is literally the only reason for me to try to make money. Why would I want money if I'm not going to use it? To, yeah. To do, to, to do to something. To make something. To make more yeah. of what exactly. I got in this in the first place. Right. Because you, but it, people forget, I think life is funny and you think you need, like people start talking about like, oh, I need, well, I need, you know, I need. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, you don't want to live forever. I lived, you know, I lived for a couple of years in an inflatable mattress in the studio. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that forever. I'm not saying yeah. that it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, like, if you want money, don't be a musician. No, no. It's a you, terrible yeah. idea. There are so much better plays yeah, to get your hand on money. You be in banking. Siding. Be in banking. Yeah. If you want money, be in finance. Yeah. If I wanted to make money, you know what I would do? Yeah. Do a... a, a Home repair, landscaping. I don't even know how to fix anything. I would schedule the guys, and they would show up when people told it. And if you did that, you'd have more money than you'd ever know what to do with. Yeah, you stand in the middle between yeah. people who need stuff and people who provide and stuff. And you just send the people there reliably, and you will be standing on a pile of money. There's yeah. so many better ways to get money than the entertainment field. <laughs> yeah. It's the dumbest way to try it to get It really rich. is. So... That may, that's how you get to the decision. And then you're kind of. And it felt, it'll feel cleaner to be done. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll know like, okay, I've, I've which mm-hmm. is kind of cowardly, but it was like a little bit like mm-hmm. a little self-destruction. At what, at what point did the, did the notion of, of, uh, of bringing the band back enter your head? Well, I had a balloon payment on my condo. No, sure, that um, would do no, it. That no. would. I had, um, I started uh, – I did a bunch of stuff that I was really mm-hmm. happy to do and really proud of yeah. and excited. And that, that's – the band not being this – All-encompassing the, the, animal that yes. eats your life. Yeah. Now you're – well, how about this? The, as soon as the final show, yeah. 
the dust settles, you actually get your feet back under you. Yeah. After the after the kind of the the vibrations of that settle down, mm-hmm. how did you feel in the wake of that? Great. I felt tremendous. You know, I had time. I still had all the friends in my band. Like it's not like the, you know people disappeared. Um, I got to do other projects. Like I got to like do things I wouldn't normally be able to do. Um, I got to build the Despacio sound system. I got to like make a restaurant. I got to score a Mike Nichols play. I got to make music for a Mike Nichols play. Yeah. Like so, I got to hang out with Mike Nichols. Yeah. One of the greatest American artists. Yeah. Like you know, a real. He, a guy who was probably at the show we were talking, the Shrapnel show we were talking about earlier. That he would have been at that show yeah. with Kurt Vonnegut and yeah. Norman Mailer. Yeah. Woody Allen. Yeah. He would have been there. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, and he's also somebody who, not unlike you, if he can, he would pursue whatever he was interested in. He yeah. would actually go toward it and yeah. not say, oh, I'm this. I yeah. can't go do that. If you're interested in it, let me see my what my take on it is. And, and well, what, film how I was can a, relate to People it. didn't believe he could do film. Yeah, no, that was he came to that. And then and, what made Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and The Graduate? Yeah. One two punch. Yes. After <laughs> doing Nichols and May. Yeah. That it was like, hey, you know that guy who does the, the two person stand up yeah. thing? Yeah, it's like He's going to do definitely the most, you know, one of the biggest, most important names in American film for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's coming. And so you, yeah. So, you, but you got to work with him, yeah. which you would not have been able to do if Never the band wasn't. Do it. No, it just wouldn't have been possible. Um, so yeah, that, so you're, 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 you're trying everything out. You're trying restaurant. You're trying <laughs> scoring. You're doing the every little bit of everything. Some, some producing. Had a baby. You had a baby. Yeah. You got to be. Tight bros with uh, the guy on that record you were staring at as a six-year-old. Yeah. Now you're actually knowing that guy. That's the yeah. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. That was very weird. That's the that's always. You weird. know what was weirdest about it? What's that? Not that weird. That it wasn't that weird. That it wasn't that weird. And that is down to that 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 uh, I, I always do this tough thing because it's like, uh, I, what's worse than if I would just say like, well, David. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like casually. Sure. It's David Bowie. And I, I'd say it not being weird is down to how incredibly gracious that dude was. Like how amazing at making you feel normal mm-hmm. around him. Which is a thing he must have learned. That's a skill. Yeah. To just, it's like if I ever hope to have a normal conversation I'm ever again in my to life. I'm going to have to learn to let people know that I, that you don't have to avoid, you don't have to feel uncomfortable about being mm-hmm. an enormous fan. Mm-hmm. It just disarmed me. That like completely disarmed. And, and a lot of people told the same story. They'd be like, yeah, you just like call me up someplace. But like, hey, I thought about you because you were really into this furniture designer and I'm in this place and they have a bunch of it and mm-hmm. just wanted to let you know. And you'd be like, this guy thought about me. And like it immediately disarm you. Yeah. And it's, but I guess that's like a self-preservation thing for him. Otherwise he's going to, uh, he's going to have no one to talk to. Yeah, I I mean, but I also think it was like a generosity. I think it was a generosity. Like, just like, let's get through this bit now. And and you, Mm -hmm. now, then we can, then you can just be at ease more Mm -hmm. and know that I'm not going to freak out if you're like, I really love Ziggy Stardust. You know, like, I mean, the first thing I said to him was like, uh, we met, I was recording him for Arcade Fire and, uh, 
Like he, he walked in and he introduced, I introduced, I was like, oh, this is James. He's like, oh, hello. He's kind of normal, very polite, but hello. And we recorded some vocals and he went away. And the next day he came back to do more. And he walked in and he kind of pushed it out of the way. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea it was you. I just, I just blank. I, I just, of course it was you, but I just, you know, when you were introduced and he was like apologizing to me for not recognizing my greatness or like, you know, or like yeah. who I was. And I'm like, you were totally nice. And yeah. as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> totally appropriate for yeah. our, who we are. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, he said, I'm an enormous fan of your work. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, uh, if you know anything about my work, you know, I'm a, enormous fan of your work because I steal from you liberally. <laughs> and he just leaned into me and he went, mm-hmm. you can't steal from a thief, darling. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's, wow, that's, that's just that's in the holster. Yeah. Like you just have that. That's just ready to go. Ready like, that to was, go. that Let's was your, go. you can't like a oh little wink God. and you can't steal from a thief, yeah. darling. And I'm like, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a good, opening gambit you write that in a film people are like well things don't normally work like that but it's like that's <laughs> actually yes you are in a movie for that someone's moment. so charming that you it's invisible it's like a great waiter that you don't even know they're there that is your food just happens yeah that is that is like smooth yeah yeah oh my god but not like, even smooth not there's no sliminess to smooth. it's just literally just super on it like mm-hmm. Just super ability to make you feel like, like mm-hmm. you, we're now we're just two friends laughing about this, isn't sure. it? Ha ha ha! I just told you that I steal from you because you're mm-hmm. one of my heroes yeah. of all time, yeah. and you've made a, a little joke about how we all steal, don't we? Us mm-hmm. artists, ha ha! And I'm like, and so you just so if if mm-hmm. you manage not to have your head explode mm-hmm. and shoot yourself in the bathroom, yeah. then you start to have a friendship. The one thing I've always felt bad about is, and I don't know how to bring this up, is I'm the one who threw that lollipop at him. What? At that show. What are you talking about? When he got hit in the eye with the lollipop, that was me. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm kidding. Okay, good. Horrible, <laughs> horrible confession. I'm the reason he stopped like, going on stage was he got <laughs> hit in the eye with a lollipop. Yeah, I threw. Oh. It was a really good lollipop. And, and you, I thought but you he, just were like, I hear it. It's so good. You're going to love this lollipop. <laughs> yeah, so, now he actually... Encouraged you to get the band back together. Is that is that a thing well, I heard somewhere? It's less less direct than that. I, I was uh, talking to him around the Black Star time, mm-hmm. and I had gone to my wife and said, "Like, hey, I have a little issue. I started writing music, mm-hmm. and I realized I've amassed a lot of music, and uh oh, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a complication. You know, it's like if we were writing a scene. Here's the conflict. Yeah, yeah, um, and." I had already spoken to Pat and Nancy and been like, Hey, I'm writing music and I'll play some things for you. And like, I don't know what to do because we broke up this band kind of publicly. <laughs> <laughs> there was, yeah, there was a public component. There was a, to there, the was a there was a public, uh, there was an announcement mm-hmm. type yeah. component. There was a kind of a movie. Yeah. That there was kind of kind came of a out. Thing. Yeah. It was a really big event. So the mm-hmm. largest thing my, band did ever yeah. was break up. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so that's a complication. Um, and my wife was, I was like, well, I don't, you know, so I was like, I can't, I, I, maybe I just shouldn't record music. And she's like, you have a amazing recording studio that you built with your hands. Mm-hmm. And 
you make it's a little embarrassing. Like he, she knows me well enough to be like, yeah, "What would your fifteen year old self said say if you weren't using your studio when you had songs to record?" Yeah, and I was like, "That's a good point." And I talked to Pat and Nancy. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, I make this music. I'm making this music. And like, what do you guys think?" It's like, a, if you think it's LCD sound system, then it's LCD sound system. But if it's not. You know, then I, I'll have to figure something else out because it's like, yeah. th- that's fine. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't go on stage with a bunch of 24 year olds and be like, hello, it's LCD. You know, like, that would be the, that would be the best and worst that would thing be the ever funniest in thing. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Or, nor if I had made like a solo record. Yeah. I couldn't have them play because people would be like, what the hell is yeah, it? Yeah. You know, he's just such an egomaniac that he had to just, I, it, me being me was not enough. <laughs> It now has to be even more me. Yeah. And you'd be up there like, I think you all might know this one. Just like, <laughs> like where you're giving them like the dessert after they hear all the, <laughs> like, like you go, you guys eat all your vegetables, which yeah. is my new stuff. <laughs> I think you might remember this one. <laughs> and everybody surges forward finally. I've been saying this at shows. We've been like, when I said, we play new, we played some new songs and I kept saying to people, it's like, we're going to play a bunch of new, a couple of new songs. People are like, wow. And I'm like, don't get excited. You don't uh-huh. want to hear these. You think you do. Uh-huh. You think what you want to do right now mm-hmm. is hear new songs. But to the, halfway through the second song, you're like, you know, like, yeah. it's, I don't know this. Like, this means like, nothing to me. Like, and not like Oviena, but this literally means mm-hmm. nothing to me. Like, it's, uh, and I, I, so we kept announcing, I'm like, just for be people cool playing with the, it. uh, the best show, uh, bingo game. You can now mark off the Ultravox <laughs> one on it. There goes that. Somebody might have just hit bingo on, <laughs> with, with the Vienna quote. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's such a, but do you find, do you see people's relationship with those? Did you see them change once the two songs dropped and then you see like yeah, people, people actually them taking ownership yeah. of them and yes, which I liked. I liked and I, I respect that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, on the last record, when we started touring, we, we purposely did not play Dance Yourself Clean. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, it's too much of a mouthful unless people really know it. Yeah. And then by the time we played it, people were like, I could read on a line of people were angry that we weren't playing it. Sure. And then we got it together to play mm-hmm. it. And I feel like there was something to do. Like, I respect that relationship. It's not mm-hmm. like, I'm going to come out and play the new record, everybody. Get hold on to your hats. Yeah, and yeah. what I mean is, while you leave, mm-hmm. you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's you know, it's yeah. you're there to play people. You know what you? I mean, you've already re- playing your own music. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like pe- people that complain, like I can't believe we have to play this. It's like your song. Like it's your yeah. fault that it's there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's you. You, you made did it. all of that. Like the, the complaint is which egomaniacal thing that you made for yourself. That you have to play for people who like you band and pay money to look mm-hmm. at it with their eyeballs and ears. So, so not, mm-hmm. not to lose track. So, Sorry. so the, so Pat and Nancy are it. on board. They're, so they're, they're hearing the stuff. They're, and they're like, saying, yeah, this yes, is, it sounds yeah, yeah, like this is great. So then I was like, yeah, well, we're going to figure out how, how to say we're playing, we're mm-hmm. a band. And, uh, and I thought we were going to have the record done really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it would be done right before we played Coachella or right after. And then it would be sure. out. Okay. I'm really glad it didn't work that way. Okay. I'm sure some people are frustrated. It took a long time. But I'm glad we got over – I'm glad we got to deal with playing again and that being the story for a while. Yeah. 
And then now we're like, okay, people, they're playing. Now there's a record. It's less of like mm-hmm. a thing to me. No, before so so David Bowie factors into the oh, yeah. assembly. Sorry, I was talking. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Okay, so I was talking to him around the the, the Black Star time, and um, I was saying like, you know, confiding because I didn't tell people this, mm-hmm. and he had made me sign a bunch of confidentiality agreements. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty sure he was going to be cool with not yeah, not that anyone was going to be like. So, David, uh, <laughs> we're hearing. Some, we, <laughs> like, we need a quote from you about yeah, LCD sound yeah. system. Because he's just giving quotes left and right. Right. And also anyone who has a moment with David Bowie is not going to be asking about my stupid band. <laughs> yeah. like, unless they're literally Give related us the to story. Me. Yeah. All right. David, one black star, schmack star. Yeah, we get one question. What's up with this LCD sound system thing? <laughs> We're here and there. Thanks for the quote, David. Clunk. <laughs> yeah. That's not that's not in the cards. No, but he was just like he's like it's, it makes you uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, good. You know, it should. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not doing it, if you're not making yourself uncomfortable, which I thought at the time, I was like, as he was saying it, I'm like, well, I just, I was like, you're not uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then again, that's a stupid thing for me to think because it's like. You know, I'm looking at David Bowie and I'm like, well, if I could be David Bowie tomorrow, I'd just boy walking around like, screw you. Like, you know, like yeah, I can yeah, do whatever yeah. I want. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm David Bowie. You know, like I would feel like the most confident person in the world. But of course, you know, you get to that through years of like not making young Americans again and making low yeah, yeah. and all sorts of things mm-hmm. that made you, if you care about how people feel about you, which no one that's not deeply damaged cares mm-hmm. to some degree about how people respond to the things they make. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to, he had to be uncomfortable a lot and that's probably been the best thing ever for his. Like I always, I always feel with com- him where people would just be like, Oh, he just changed. It's like, that's the hardest thing in the world. That's the hardest do. thing. He threw it. He was touring <laughs> diamond dogs and halfway through he crumples it up yeah. and then puts on like, like a Panama hat. And it's the thin white dude. Suddenly like, this is what we sound like now. Yeah. And it's like, that's the hardest. That's not the easiest play. That's the hardest play. Yeah, that's do. crazy. So what if you would have said to him, I'll reform LCD sound system if you reform Tin Machine? <laughs> How do you think? What do you think? I you think get? he I, I think he wouldn't have, you know, I think he was busy. <laughs> but I don't um, think he would have ever shied away from playing another Tin Machine show. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. yeah. So it's better than people think. The Tin Machine, yes. Stuff. So, I, I also think he he said something really interesting. He was talking about Lou, uh, you know, like the Lou Lou Reed and Metallica record, mm-hmm. and he was like, "That's some of the best writing Lou's done." Yeah, and like people don't, you know, like people make a snap judgment and aren't listening. Yeah. So, I listen to that. I listen to. All of Lou Reed's over this year, I just went and listened to everything wow. in order, and That's it's just it's the it really is like the greatest story anyone ever told about their life. Yeah, and you he's just telling his story. Like yeah. each album is a chapter and of a it, very strange story. Yes, and it's um, it's unbelievable to see the entirety of it to, wow. to like really go and listen in order, and you see. Sometimes he would lose confidence. It seemed like he was learning how to write songs again sometimes. Like, like it would almost like the like, original rapper? Well, maybe not so much that. I would say more like like rock and roll heart. It seems like yeah. he's almost going back to the drawing board on yeah. songwriting. And 
they would get very simple again, and then they would get complicated again, yeah. and then they would get simple. They would get again. like almost doo wop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a, it's really interesting to see that that kind of that that process. And now, so when you when you're just finally like slide my chips in, we're gonna do this. Yeah. I mean, you must now just feel like what is waiting for us with the reaction to this. Yeah, I mean, I thought. I kind of thought that, like, maybe I'm paranoid, but just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're yeah, not that's another you, t-shirt. Yeah. You might, Mike, write that. That's the third shirt for no. the for the <laughs> LCD sound system LCD. merch booth. Yeah, we're just working. On, this is a merch meeting. You could sell that one also at Spencer's Gifts. That one. Oh my god, the fundies. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but the um. I was always, I felt like we had gotten away, like we'd gotten such a good rap. Mm-hmm. And there are people who hated us from, be- there's always been like the guy who knows better, like who mm-hmm. liked us for a minute, but now just listens okay. to extreme noise and is over. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's fine. If we're, if you're, we're the foil for mm-hmm. you to show how cool you are. That's great. I've, I look, I've done it plenty of times. Yeah. I've been on the end of bailing on things. I've been and, on both sides of that. Yeah, so fine. you get it. So I'm not like, I've never been, but I was, but I felt like there were just kind of people who never really, like, who, I felt like there are people who were waiting for us to do something really terrible and wrong mm-hmm. so they could be right. Okay. About how we were a fraud or something. Yeah. And so I expected a certain backlash from people, but from people who didn't like the band, who'd just mm-hmm. be like, oh, this guy's full of crap. Yeah. And, you know, this is the whole thing. But, um, and so I was prepared for that. I was like, that's fine. Like, my wife thinks it's, okay to do pat and nancy think it's okay to do david bowie thinks it's okay to do mm-hmm. you can go yeah you're a kind of covered I'm co- yeah i don't care what you mm-hmm. uh anonymous 487 have to say mm-hmm. about yeah. my band but i was uh, i was a little unprepared for like j- people who really love the band being hurt which it sounds naive now in retrospect it's dumb but i i and 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 that that moved me, and that made me like. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were attacking people who loved my band, mm-hmm. who were saying like they were really upset because they had gone. And then there were other people like chiming in, being like, "By the way, when I say people talking, and, t- and what I mean is the lowest level of human conversation, which is internet comments." Sure. Yeah. Um, but people were attacking these people, and so I felt like I was like, "Oh well, I have to now come out of." my like silence and mm-hmm. sort of have to just like say, Hey, like if that's how people feel, like that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you are the, as a person who likes music, you're the one maintaining that relationship. You're the person who actually is like, you know, you're doing all the work. Like mm-hmm. the Smiths made their records. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. played some, but I did all the work in that relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I went and bought the records. I yes. love the band. You went and, to buy that Smith Brothers record. Yeah, and it was my heart that was broken when they stopped. And like, and 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 I feel like nobody owes owed me anything, but I did feel like that I'm putting a lot in, and I felt like people that put a lot into us and felt that got their heart broken, like when it stopped, and then got like you know you're not dead, you know mm-hmm. like that type of stuff. And how did that inform, though, like, to make it, like, we are back as a creative entity, not, this is, we're not just doing a a tour, this is not a, this is not some, a cash in, this is not a thing, we're actually back because of music. Right, because I expected the record to be done, like, 
Toot sweet. So if that if that would have been the case, then the the story would have been cleaner. Well, or, like in- yes, but I think it would have been worse. I'm glad in retrospect. It, I was really frustrated that it was. I underestimated how hard to have a baby in a tour and make a record mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Because the record actually didn't take me. The record wasn't that hard to make. It didn't take me that long. It was just hard to get that much time in a row mm-hmm. to be in the studio. So, like, okay. oh, if I were to if I would have done it without touring, it was not a particularly laborious record. It was actually like pretty pleasant. Mm-hmm. Did um, did um did the, the did the tone? How did the tone of this record also, which is different from the previous three to some degree. I'm discovering I that. I felt it was different, but you never know. You know, bands, when they record, and they're always like, it's going to blow people's minds. Mm-hmm. The guitars are panned really wide. And you're like, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Like, the little mm-hmm. crappy thing you think is like bl- totally crazy that you put on the voice. Like, we never mm-hmm. put any delay, and there's a little delay on it. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody notices that. So I'm always careful to say, like, well, this record's really different. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like it's different. I yeah, it's, it, a, I, it's it, a heavier record. Yeah, it definitely. It's like it's it it's a it, it is more of a. I said, I think I said claustrophobic maybe yeah. a little bit before. It's it's a it's definitely an an a, an intense. It's an intense listen that also has a kind of a, a it, it 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 tracks in in the in the right. Like I think the sequencing on it, it go goes in a direction that tells some kind of that sets some kind of mood i'm well, sorry if i'm vague no I, I i just there's no way to say it because it's not telling yeah. the story there's no lyrical like yeah. through line or anything like that but it definitely goes somewhere from song to song in the in a larger sense that's the times i've listened to it i thought it really had it has it's look i think it's great in that way and um but for that to kind of when did that really when you can, when were you able to take a step back and see, like, wow, we are, we are, this is what we are now in 2017. Like, this is what, because it really doesn't sound like the other, records. the other three. In a, in a lot of ways, it doesn't. I mean, there's, there's things that do, but there's things it's that. It's recognizably the band. Yes. But, yeah. Um, well, okay, normally when I get, close to the end of a record and I've got like six, seven songs and I normally have nine. Okay. I start feeling like, okay, what am I, what's this record missing? It's normally the question I ask mm-hmm. and almost without fail, the last song I make is this first single. I'm like, oh, it's missing the first single. Sure. So I'll write North American Scum or I'll write um, Drunk Girls or something like that. No, just sort of the last thing. Mm-hmm. Um, on this record, I was like, well, there's a lot of really long, sprawling songs. There's a lot of darker songs, and I don't want to leave any of them off. And the last two things to get done are the second song, a third song. Is Other Voices second? Third. It's Other Voices, I think. And How Do You Sleep, which is like this nine-minute punishing like the heaviest song on the record and i was mm-hmm. like well if i'm putting this on the record like it's not the first single yeah you, you know yeah, what yeah, i yeah. mean yeah. like mm-hmm. i'm making a decision at this point and it's a game of inches it's a little bit of like um 
it's not a big swinging difference, but it is there is some things that are not there anymore. There's mm-hmm. some sounds and some energies that aren't there anymore, and they're replaced by things that are not equivalent. They're it's a so it makes the whole record lean darker. I think. Sure, sure. Um, not that there aren't things that are. No, there's definitely things darker things I, before. It's not like there was zero dark things before, and it was and there was no, no like no. brighter things here. But it, yeah. it's just the overall tone. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're watching a if you're watching a movie where people get killed and and you're laughing, mm-hmm. you, it's a horror movie or a comedy based on the weight and amount of one or the other. Okay. You know, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is a horror movie. No. That, now here, now when you think of, if you had thought of LCD sound system as a thing that had a, a an end date in the first iteration, yeah. I think this is a break and this is a, yeah. So what is it like to go now with this band that, I mean, is it's like you? It seems like you're going forward. It's like, is is there another end date now, or is this just I'll, an infinity? I sign? don't think I would ever, ever end the band in any way recognizable other than to just quietly not do just, it to, to kind of just fade drift away. off yeah i don't think i think you only get one one of those. we had an ending it's I, done we well, had a funeral it we're dead i think it would be really mm-hmm. exciting It'd be really funny just like if you just announce <laughs> this is it <laughs> and then you keep doing this yeah just keep you just keep pulling the plug on it farewell yeah <laughs> it's just and then yeah. then it's like oh here he comes again oh i'm sorry yeah. just i i took two months off and i started writing songs again so <laughs> it felt yeah. it really thought i thought that was the real end of the thing but there's also on a slightly more serious note i did feel like ending the band was like i was like that was perfect i was like mm-hmm. I would never mess that up. Yeah. That's perfect. And then I, cause I took some joy in destroying a, 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 this makes me sound like a crazy person, but I took some joy in destroying an upward career. Like yeah. there was something in that that just really tickled me that just felt like really correct to who I am. Yeah. You like just, you just went the, everybody goes, everybody zigs. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, I'm gonna say. Well, also, it's just a way of explaining, like, okay, we'd get asked to do ads all the time. Like, mm-hmm. people would be like, "We're gonna give you a bunch of money and do an ad. We want to use your song in this stupid ad." And I'd be like, "No." And the higher the money got, the more pleasure I took in saying no. Like, the more joy. Yeah. And I had a manager, my old manager Keith, who retired. Um, well, he was the best manager in the world for him at the time because he was like, he also took pleasure. He's like, Oh, I cannot wait to call them. They're, uh-huh. they're so confident. Like they're literally rolling their eyes and being like, okay, we get it. No, we'll double it. Like, you know, like uh-huh. they, they just, like, because like, they are so sure and the disc, the, there's something that repulsed me in their confidence that they had money. That they just didn't hit the number yet. Yeah. That they're, and also that they're like, we know you're for sale. Yeah. Like we know. And like, the the kind of like smarmy like know it allness of like somebody being like, look, you know, it, 
okay, yeah. you got like, me. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not your money. I didn't yeah. get you. It's not going to affect you, buddy. Yeah. Like, and, but the, the, I would take a weird pleasure in just being like, sure. Yeah. Like, no. And I could use it. Like, you know, it's just yeah. like, but it was something. And also knowing that like you get no credit for that. That's the beautiful thing about it. That you can't, nobody, can, nobody knows or what you don't do. They don't care. And that's mm-hmm. like, so you, you know, it's there's some joy in that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, so I took some joy in being like smash, um, and in a weird way, it was just as interesting though a little bit more complicated because ending a band was more correct in my like I guess punk rock brain, but like putting it back was again smashing it again, like just being like, mm-hmm. and now we had the perfect out, and now we're back into being judged, mm-hmm. we're back into comment sections, we're we're back in. To you know, bad reviews and and uh, somebody being like they have lost it or whatever. It's we're open again for like the business of human cruelty and interaction. Yeah, but you're back in as a con- as a competitive, Force. active concern. Yeah, it isn't it isn't something where you're putting like an EP out that has like. One new song and two live songs. Yeah, or a best of that has one new song on it. Yeah, which is always loving people. It's always the greatest. Like that is not your best song. Yeah, it's always like, yeah, like like what was that? Remember that one police thing where it's like, don't stand so close to me, eighty six. Oh yeah, yeah, like oh yeah, like like, you know what the problem with that song (laughs) was? It didn't have electronic drums on. Yeah. That was really the problem with that, that song. song. Was almost there. Yeah, didn't have enough gated digital reverb. Thankfully, the new technology do, makes the police. Have you heard? Z, do, do you know the do ZZ Top? Are you a ZZ Top person? Oh, those three out. Al- the like the which ones? The ones they went back in yes! the seventies and redid. Yes, yes. And like, <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> and yeah. said like Tejas. Yeah. The problem with Tejas is it doesn't sound. Enough. Like Eliminator. Like Eliminator. Because <laughs> ZZ Top were an actual legitimate three dirtbags. Amazing band. So great. And then they <laughs> tripped on this new success and they had like a little sequencer kind of going. Yeah, and which all more power to them. Like congratulations. Mm-hmm. They yeah. had, they made legs. They had videos. They were guys with crazy beards. They were like mm-hmm. almost a very well constructed weird version of a novelty act. Yes, that they were there was a strange thing that these old guys with beards were on MTV all with the sunglasses time. and long yeah. beards and like yeah. guitars that would spin around on their belt buckles. But Trey Zombrades, you know, Rio Grande Mud mm-hmm. and Tejas like these records yeah. are near perfect rock records. Yes. And so they were just like, I don't know if our fans who got on board with us <laughs> with Sharp Dressed Man are going to hang with our old sound. So they remastered. Remixed them. Like yeah, these, changed. Yeah. Some of the best drum sounds ever recorded were replaced for this, by like digital yeah. drums. The, and for the longest time, that was the only yeah. version you could get of it. <laughs> hey, Mike, who's good here? Okay. Uh oh, line five. All right. Let's let's do this. Let's let's see what the people have to say for oh, James boy. Murphy. Oh boy. Hi, best show. Hey there. Hey, hi. Welcome to the best show. Who's the? Who's Thank you. This, this is um, Admiral Dave on the Hudson. Admiral Dave on the Hudson. Hi, Admiral Dave. How are you? You're here Daddy with Dave. me and James Murphy. 
Hello. Hello, James. I, um, yeah, I've just been listening to you talk. It's very interesting. Well, hmm. thank you very much. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, uh, I'm calling the... Um, if you guys are still interested in going out on the Coors Light sailboat. Oh, I'm sorry you were on hold for that. That's there's all right. a, we have a, a, there's a guy with a boat that has a Coors Light banner. It's, it's funny. You talked about how you were turning down ads left and right. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, how can I get on this Coors Light boat <laughs> that's going to be sailing around the Hudson? I will email you tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow. Um, and you'll get me and the rest of the best show. Because, look, Mike loves Coors Light. I'm doing this for I, s- I actually saw that happening Mike drinking outside. Mike Coors Light. I saw that happening. Yeah. There's a giant 50-foot beer bottle on the sale. You can't go wrong. Admiral There's Dan- a reason I'm calling on this show. Yes, uh, what's that? Well, we were out sailing around, and uh, we got a call from Columbia Records, and they said that they would like to possibly advertise American Dream on a sailboat. Is that true? It doesn't That's matter. True. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I it doesn't matter. I don't think they're going to do it, but they, <laughs> that, I thought that was interesting because we like listening to LCD songs tomorrow we're sailing around. It's great sailing music. That's yeah. what it's, I mean, it's like Christopher Cross. Did you know it was great sailing well, music? I've always, that's the main, that's the thrust. It's like, it's like some you people. You guys and Christopher Cross are main, we got it on rotate. Some people finish a record and then they go drive around in a car and play it to make sure it sounds good coming out of car speakers. <laughs> you get out on a sailboat. Yeah, and listen to the car speakers that are wedged into a sailboat cabin. Yes. Right, going through a Bluetooth with a lot of static yeah. and yeah. Uh, the a lot of wind right. noise. That's yeah. where it's at. And you're just right. like, thing dropped out every 10 seconds. <laughs> sounds still, <laughs> it still gets across. Yes, record's ready. Send it. I think it the speakers are out of phase too, so. Oh, that's. Good. That's a fun way to listen to music. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's, there's no excuse for that. Well, look, no. Admiral Dave, I will follow up on this with you. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Best show. What's up, Tom? It's Thor from Dirty Wet Fu- what? Hello? Hey, I had to, I had to I had to bleep you. You can't say that. You you can't you can't say that. Was it Thor? Yes. You can't you can't say that word on the show, Thor. Ugh. Come on. Great. Looks like my favorite media personality just joined the ranks of the PC Thought Police. Great news. <laughs> I'm not a member of the PC Thought Police. Well, you know, it's just the PC Word Police. It's different. Yeah, it's, you can think it. Yeah, I don't need it. You can think it. Exactly. It's a free society, right? But I guess like, not, I guess not. Well, the word you said was uh, was horrible, and I'm not going to put it on the show. All right, fair enough. You know, and what what does dirty wet? It was like dirty wet, and then I bleeped it. Right. What what does that even mean? Dirty wet. Are you serious? Yeah. Ugh. We're only Brooklyn's number one filth rock band. Where have you been? Filth filth rock. Yes. Do you, I didn't even know filth rock was like a a, a genre. It's Are a- you nuts? It's huge. And look, don't get me wrong. There are other bands that are good, like covered in uh, the Sewage Garglers, uh, Three Scoops of, uh, also uh, Defiled Carcass of, you probably had to bleep those, right, I guess? Every one of those, except for uh, Sewage Garglers, I think I let through. They're good, too. But, But seriously, we're like the Beatles to their, 
I don't know, whoever was worse than the Beatles back in the 50s. Uh-huh, the 50s. Yeah, those, <laughs> you know, the Beatles back in the... I'm not even going to get into... Look, I, I've done my research now. You do yours. <laughs> Look, hey, I'm here. We have James Murphy here. Do you have a, is that what, did you call with a question for, for James? Not so much a, a question as a statement. Okay. Br- bring it. What's the statement? Watch your back, bro. <laughs> What's so funny? Why, why would you tell him to watch his back? Well, look, this clown's 10-show December run at Brooklyn Steel. Yeah. It falls right when my band was hoping to stage our 12 days of Stiltmouth shows. At Brooklyn Steel? Yes, and for some reason, they went with those clowns over us. I don't get it. Uh-huh. Well, I guess no no offense to you, Thor, but is Filth Rock even big enough to like do Brooklyn Steel, like 12 nights? You bet you're fat, filthy... It is. I again, I had to bleep you. You're time. kidding me. Yes, I'm not letting this. Oh happen. my god, this is a Bible show. <laughs> it's not a Bible show. I'll it's tell like, you, man. I don't like the vibe either of you no, guys are putting like, out right now. And, oh, I'm sorry. And, and and you listen to me just to show you guys. We're going to do seventy shows in a row next year at Brooklyn Steel. Seven. No, scratch that. We're going to do a hundred and eighty. Each one filthier than the last. Do filth Fest. So for Filth Fest, you're going to do a hundred... It's not Filth Fest! It's filthness. So you're going to do 180 consecutive shows... Yes! ...at Brooklyn Steel. Yes! And each one's going to get somehow filthy. So you're going to track the filthiness. So what's that? Like, a, how F- do you... Filthometer? How, yeah, do you have a filthometer? As a matter of fact, there is a filthometer! Well, not so smart, are we now? Actually, I guess you are smart because you did guess it. <laughs> okay. So, so. Jokes on me. <laughs> yeah. I, I give you that one. Uh huh. So you got you got that. So, yeah. How do you guys feel about Scumcore? <laughs> That's child's play. <laughs> I just yeah. You I'll tell know. you. The micro genres that just you know a lot of fights. You listen to me, cat. All right, that final show we're gonna do. Uh-huh. It's going to be so filthy. Here's what we're going to do. We're all going to, with our... And then we're going to take out... And then we're going to spray... Until at the very end, it's going to be like a wall of just hot pudding all over everybody. Okay, that all had to get bleeped. There. You're kidding! No. Oh, my God. So you don't, So that's what you called to tell James to watch his back? Well, yeah, that's part of it, but there's also a, a, a second layer to my call. Yeah. Jim, I, I'll be honest, all right? I, I, I actually never heard of LSD Sound Sister until tonight, but I did give a listen to some of your jams on Spotify before I called, and I dug what I heard. Well, thank you. It's good stuff. I do have to say this, though. You could use a little more crotch fire when it comes to the percussion. The- a little Is more. that a piece of upward gear? Excuse me? Oh, no, no. I, I supply the crotch fire. Okay. Yeah, and I'd love to show you what I can do behind the tubs. So what, do you want to send them a like, CD or something? No. I got my kit right here. Oh, great. I'm going to lay down some of the sickness right now. Is that cool? <laughs> sure. 
What do you think? Go ahead. Go ahead, Thor. All right. All right. Check it out. Here we go. What? Solid. I need to play right now. This is important. Who are Who are you yelling at? My mommy. She doesn't want me playing after 9 p.m. Uh-huh. And how, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 13. Why? I would have just... You got a garbage mouth. Yeah, because you got a garbage mouth and you potty seem mouth. like you know your way around stuff. I would have thought you were an adult. Oh, well, you know, my stones dropped way early. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, below the belt, I'm, I'm really ready for filth. But emotionally and mentally, I'm still in fun serial mode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. FSM. That's right. FCM. Mom! I'll be up in a minute! I'm on the radio with Tom Sharpling and Jim from the CD Sound Spectrum! Yeah, he wants to hire me to play drums in his band! Guys, I'm so sorry you had to hear that. It's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. It's, you're de- you seem to be dealing with it. I'm, do- I'm doing my best. Uh-huh. But listen, you know, I should go upstairs before this becomes even more of a scene from the king of comedy, all right? I mean, pretty soon I'll, I'll be telling you that I'll give you the six weeks, right? Uh, yeah, like, like the king of comedy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jim, shoot me a DM on Twitter, okay? I- I'm at FilthyThor69. I'll, I'll certainly, I'll shoot you a BM. Sounds great, sounds great. Mom! Shut up, you! Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. Thor, I guess, I don't know, that was... A lot of energy just left the room. 13-year-old. Yeah. I don't know what's strange, he was 13, that he's 13 was strange, but he also had a working knowledge of King of Comedy yeah. for a 13-year-old. <laughs> that was very... Well, very... he's got a Betamax... Yeah, I guess he's got it, yeah. <clears throat> Who's good here, Mike? I'm not going to, because look, Mike, I'm not messing around this time. We got, again, A-list, A-plus list guest. These calls better not, if if one of these calls sucks, you're you're on thin ice. You're already on thin ice. What happens? What happens? He's if, out of here. Okay. He's out. Just want to clarify. Put him on your. You got nine people on stage. I'll just trade him with. No one's going to notice. I'm just going to trade him to you guys. (laughs) Put him up there. You trade him for and like a a tambourinist to be mentioned later. Yeah. Best show. Hello, hi. You're listening to a different show. Apparently, that's not us. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. uh Oh man, Avalanche really thinks he's cool. Oh, this this James is this his name's Avalanche Bob. He's Hello. a real musician, and he's in, in New York, right? You're a New York musician, uh, right? Yeah. And you, he does the thing where he he's like a he does. What do you call your music again? Surf. I call it uh, Yodel Punk and Snowboard and Rock and Roll. And hey, Tom, I yeah. got a I got a really positive song I'd like to sing for you. Okay, let's hear the okay. song. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
That's right. That's what all the people say. Yeah. Yeah, life is tough. When I came back into this world, I knew it was going to be rough. But I know I had soul inside of me. And with God's help, I'm going to reach my destiny. So I keep on rocking. No, I won't stop rocking. Hey, life, get out of my way. I keep on rocking. No, I'll never stop rocking. Hey, life, hear what I say. Hear what I say. And I said, you know what, man? I'm going to make it a little older. Yeah, no cat, you're going to be out there and you're going to be colder. I said, like, hell, you're a wetter. I ain't getting older, I'm getting better, and I keep on rocking now, I'll never stop rocking, hey, life, get out of my way, I keep on rocking, oh, I'll never stop rocking, hey, life, hear what I say, hear what I say, well, I said, you know what, man, you and me, we're going to go into a boxing ring, when I get through with your butt, you won't be able to sing, and life was standing there wearing black trunks, not wearing brown, and life must have weighed about 260 million pounds. Then I hit life with a hurricane twist and a snowboard punch in the mouth. When I hit life with a punch and yo-yo-yo in the air, knocked us sit around. And I kept on rocking, Tom. We keep on rocking. Life, get out of our way. Keep on rocking. No, I'll never stop rocking. Hey, life, hear what I say. Wow, I got better things to do. Can't worry about you. Get out of my way. I don't care about age. I'm too much in a rage. Get out of my way. Well, I care about the girls and the future boys and girls. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Put the bucket to the yeti. Yeah, get out of my way. Put the to the lady. Tom said, get out of my way. Put the to the lady. Ricky Wright said, get out of my way. Put the to the lady. Tom Bates said, get out of my way. Oh my God, that was fantastic, Avalanche Bob. Excellent. You like it? I did. I thought it was great. That's a good song. Now you, you like it, Tom? I did. Yes, I liked it. I liked it. It was great. We have that's inspirational, right? It was inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, man. You're the best. Listen, uh, we're going to be doing a show at Maloney's in about three weeks, and the album's coming out. You're going to love it. Okay, the, when's the album come out? In about, we're working to end up about three weeks. I think maybe sooner. I'm not sure. We want to make it perfect, you know? No, it's, I get it. Look, you're just like James in that way where you, uh, it took them longer to put their album out, and you're doing the same thing. It's quality first. Yeah, uh, thanks for everything, Tom. Of course. You're the best. You have a great night, buddy. You too, man. Keep rocking. Remember, right? Get out of your way. I can't not. Keep on. Bye. Bye. He's, uh, he does this thing. He's been doing, he started making music in the 50s. Wow. And he's still. When the Beatles were making music. When the Beatles were doing it, like Thor said. And, um, that makes sense now that he's 13. Yeah. I understand. Anything with 1913 is when the Beatles started making Isn't there a funny thing with that that it's just like, if you're just like not 26 years old, and maybe that's even too old, you're just old. Like yeah. like young people just think anyone, they'd think like, yeah, you know who's old? They'd be like, they'd think you're old, and then they would also well, I'm, think. I'm, I'm old. But they would also think like, <clears throat> you know who else is old? And they would think like uh, like uh, like Dolly Parton's old, too. And it's like, yeah, yeah but she's like 25 years older then you know what I mean? It's right, like the right. idea. It's like that. Twenty five years means nothing if yeah. you're, if you're old. You're just old. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you're in your forties or seventies. 
Right. You're just a- not. Age isn't a number. No. You know, it's actually just a series of chemical reactions in your body that slowly kill you. That's another shirt. You Age isn't a number. It's a series of chemical reactions that happen in sequence that slowly kill you. Did you get that one, Mike? That drain the ability of your cells to regenerate. Did you get that shirt idea? Age isn't a number. It's a series of sequential chemical reactions in your body that slowly take the ability of your cells to du- replicate and kill you. Yeah, I'll get that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, what's that, Mike? Line one. line one. Line one. I'm told to go to line one. Best show. Hi. Hey, uh, this is Todd Abramson calling. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Great. Hey, it's Todd Abramson from formerly of Maxwell's. And it's funny that you say formerly of Maxwell's, Tom, because there were a lot of rumors swirling about as to why, in fact, Maxwell's closed. Um, the story that I didn't want to tell at the time that I think I can finally reveal to your listeners now is that um, it was due to um, some peanut butter pies. Uh-huh. That weren't paid for by staff members. It adds up. So that's what got, that's what got the week. Slowly bled the place dry. One of the. One peanut butter pie at a time. Thief is a strong word. I, one of the, the people who ate those peanut butter pies is here, uh, James Murphy, who was a sound man at Maxwell. I'm really sorry. Um, James, would you have any desire maybe to retroactively pay? Some of those pies. I mean, I places. Can, I mean, it, it. I don't want to like legally agree to anything, you know, because it's being documented. But I, I mean, I would. I'd have to ask about: is there interest, or is it just literally for the face value of the pies at the time yeah, of yeah, the yeah. of the eating? Well, look, look, look. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. You know, we. Um, you know how we do things in showbiz. Yeah. N- never mind biz. financial remuneration. What do you say? Or remuneration. We just do a um, an LCD sound system show at Montgomery Hall in Jersey City, and we call it even. That seems like a uh, seems like a, a, deal. a very fair deal. Isn't like that a, what you were about a, to say? A bit of a deal for me because if you were to I don't know, amortize those pies, I mean, we, we would have to put you know it wouldn't be face value on those on that pie we would have to add interest it was a while ago yeah was, I'm, that's what i'm thinking actually that the pies presumably depending on the kind of financing that i would be having on the pies it's like yeah. i okay what i would let's think about this is 1995 yeah. maybe right so, so we're talking like credit card yeah rates? i can't get, yeah because well, 1995 i'm not going to get a bank loan for 3% yeah we're talking about like possibly compounded 20% like you know like credit card style like yeah. APR stuff which might add up to six figures by 2017 for the pies so you're looking at so a you're willing run, to like, run of shows so you're willing to forego potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars yes and and as a restaurateur yourself you know what a a bold move that is on my part I, it's foolhardy <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. potentially foolhardy. Potentially, but uh, no risk, no reward. <laughs> you know, you've always lived on the knife's edge, Todd. What about if you just settle out and James gives you a shirt that says, Record Store Jerks Saved My Life? <laughs> like an LCD sound system. Their new merch that one of the new shirts says, Record Store Jerks Saved My Life, based on... Bleaker Bobs? 
Where was well, that? Well, it was City Gardens and Bleaker Secret, Bond. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, I don't know. Like, what's a lower, what's a lower gift than a band giving away its own merch? <laughs> like, what's less of a gift than, like, we have this discussion, like, what's less, like, that seems like a pretty shallow gift. It's like, here's a picture of me. Yeah. Like a <laughs> promo only CDs. Yeah. That's, that could be less that of a gift. That might be less. Like a promo only radio. Cause it implies that the, it's collectible. The single edit. Yeah. Of a song yeah. that's never been a single. Yeah. Cause no CD. It's just less of the has music. ever been collectible. No. Todd. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll uh, I'll speak to my legal team yeah, about our, uh, accepting the shirt, and I'll get back to you have tomorrow. Our, have our people talk to your people. Right. Thanks Thank a lot, guys. Right. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to play a quick record by Glenn Campbell, and then we'll pick it back up. The late great Glenn Campbell. GC. Yes, this is my favorite song by him, Galveston. Double playing, <coughs> not double playing Galveston. Oh, I'm eating an Oreo. Yes, we were having our cookie freak out. Yes, we had a. We bought a bunch of Oreos, tasting all the different flavors. Dude, dude, you had the blueberry. What? I've never had the blue. There's a blueberry one. Seems so artificial. That sounds terif- terrifying yeah. and awful. It just seems like a, in a lab somewhere. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. That's another shirt. If it ain't, <clears> and just <throat> a picture of an Oreo. Yeah. That says, instead of Oreo on it, says LCD. Yeah. Money. Mike? Shirt it up. Yeah. Shirt it up, Mike. Just print them. I don't even need to see, I don't even need to see proofs. Just, <clears throat> just go with it. Okay. It's a no, it's a can't lose. Yeah. It's like Top Gun. And then if you do things during the shows where you're just like, hey, everybody, uh, we go uh, to the merch table now. If you buy the Oreo shirt, it's $5 off the shirt for the next two songs. <laughs> like flash sales? Yeah, exactly. You're just like, <laughs> hey, we're running a little, we have uh, <clears throat> more, got- more mediums than we know what to do with this one shirt. Just got handed handed a note, and uh, tequila shots are fifty percent off for the next eight minutes. Yeah. Eight minutes. <laughs> so Brooklyn Steel, you've done a heap and helping. It's such a it's a new venue in in New York. It is a new venue. In New It's York. really great. Too. I like it. I'm really excited. The about sight lines are, are like that's per- real. That's perfect. What for people who weren't in the industry in the biz, mm-hmm. sight lines means what you see. Yes, but I would say. <laughs> And look, am I going to put down Terminal 5? No, I'm not going to put that. I enjoy going to a show where there's a 60% chance I don't get to see who's on stage, just like anybody else. It's fun. It is a good, if you're in the very front row of the balcony. Yes. An L-shaped venue. (laughs) I enjoy seeing a show that it's like the 
it's like the that movie Bad Boys, the Timothy Hutton one, where the, you're going into the prison. It's like yeah. a futuristic prison, basically. Yeah. It's, an a panop- it's, a, it's a non-panopticon. Like you're waiting. It's to get a sumopticon. Yes, <clears throat> and and you, well, you, but you know to at least go to the show with a pillowcase full of soda cans. Yes, and fight your way yeah. around the L to yeah. where you can see who's on stage. Yeah. But Terminal 5, look, I've seen plenty of stuff. I had a good time there. I'm not gonna say. But Brooklyn Seal's very nice. It's It's got a nice wide stage. Yep. Like, the stage looks wider <clears throat> than, like, the stage you guys, it's Madison Square Garden. It almost looks, yep. like, wider than that, like, at least in the, mov- in the movie. Well, everything looks like you're kind of smushed more. It's, I, I mean, we liked it. Um, we agreed to play it before I saw it. Okay. So I didn't play it because we liked it. Just, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, but then it's, I feel like it's not to be like a promo guy, but I feel like it's the venue the city needed a bit. Kind of. You know what I mean? It's like we didn't have a lot that size and like mm-hmm. what, what, you know, like Roseland shut down and a lot of yeah. places shut down. Who did you see at Roseland? Let's, let's go. Let's think. Who was good at Roseland that uh, you saw? I saw Galaxy 500 open for the Cocteau Twins. Okay. At Roseland, which was very yeah. strange. Because <clears throat> the Cocteau Twins were so quiet. Mm-hmm. Yes. How quiet? How quiet, How quiet were they? So they were so quiet. <laughs> that is. <laughs> now it's like, in all of time, no one has ever said. The cocktail twins were so, <laughs> so quiet. Cool. How quiet were they? How, and then suddenly it's like a Charles Nelson Riley bit. Yeah. Um, they were so quiet that I could hear the guitar pick on the strings in the front row. Uh-huh. Like I could actually acoustically yeah. hear the, the strumming st- of – String by of string. S- Robin Guthrie mm-hmm. or Simon Ramon's strings. Sure. On the pick, I could hear that happen, mm-hmm. which was so a very saw, uncanny experience. So you saw Galaxy 500. <clears throat> they Galaxy were amazing. 500. They were so good. They lots. were so good. I saw them at Maxwell's one night when it was snowing. And they played this and this. And they song. played it. Oh. And it was snowing outside. It's like one of those things that can... Look, James. They've taken it all away from me. Everything. <laughs> piece by piece, I've been dismantled by this world. You're just like a head. They can't take that away from me. No. That I was in no. Maxwell's and I saw Galaxy 500 play and it snowed outside. And it they was played so the Yoko song, yeah. amazing. And they were like, another funny thing is that like at the time they were like considered like quiet. And then now I think they, people might consider them a little loud. Yeah. They were, they were, you know, they were gentle. Yes. <clears throat> and the drummer was really flowy. Yeah. And I I loved the way he played physically. Yeah, Damon yeah. Krakowski. I really was su- super down with them. Yeah. They were one of the few that bands that didn't get back together mm-hmm. in any capacity. Well, I and I bought one of Dean's old guitars, Dean Wareham's old guitars. Wow. Bought it from a <clears throat> shop in Brooklyn, Mean Drag. They had a, an old Japanese Bernie, which is like a copy of a Les Paul, and I mm-hmm. bought it. We played on stage with LCD for a while. Who didn't get back together? Smiths. Smiths. The Jam. The Jam. Yeah, true. Who else? Who else did not do the do the thing? Three Dog Night. Three Dog Night. I'm going to say 
<laughs> I might disagree. I'm going to bet bread? there's some version of bread. Bread. I'm just going to throw it out. I don't know, but if only there was a device that could tell us. I know, right? <clears throat> but what am I Googling on that? Bread who, reunion. Who get bread reunion? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm a big fan of Guitar Man by Bread. That was that. I like that one song. The one was like, what's the one where it's like, uh, that everything I need? Is Ooh. that the song that, you're everything in the need? Is that Bread? Na-na. Is that bread, Mike? Everything I own. I think that's bread. Huh. Yeah, Mike says it's bread. Okay, I believe you. Mike knows his bread. <clears throat> you know, if is the big the big hit. Yeah, of course. But Guitar Man. Yeah. Solid lyrics on Guitar Man. Okay. I'm check it out. I'll yeah. check it out. Who else didn't reunif- reunify? Yeah, the Jam would have been. Could you imagine how huge the Jam would be if they had gotten back together? Yeah, but I think, you know, he felt it just, you know. Yeah, that he did it. Going backwards, yeah. Yes. There's no way, though. Dead Boys. Dead Boys. Oasis. There's no way they don't get back. They're, they're, they, it feels like they're almost riding the thing of just saying, like. They're just surfing it. Yeah. Like, just like, now. Like, it's almost like, it, like, it's like the big short or something. They're just like. Well, it's a tough, it's a tough one. It's like ego versus hatred. Mm-hmm. Like, which one. Yeah. Wins. Well, they can put a big stack of money between the two of them. And just, what if they yeah, just have a nev- money that wall? would be, see, and they could sing Money Wall instead of Wonder, Wonder wall. wall. Yeah. yeah. They just like, like, it's, it's my money wall. That would be the, and then, <laughs> I would actually be really down with that. That would be fantastic. I would go see them play Money Wall <laughs> with a stack of cash between them. Yeah. Well, if, if you're out there, I know uh, Noel listens. Not really? So sure. No, he, be amazing. I know Bonehead probably listens. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty short list, but I I'll say this: when I saw you guys do the Webster Hall show, mm-hmm. it felt it really felt like oh, there's something to actually like prove it felt like yeah. there was such a force behind it like like we have to do this we can't just come back and be very good no 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 we were very clear before we played we had a big conversation about it we're like <clears throat> we actually have to be two or three times better than we ever were for anyone to even say that we're almost as good as we used to be. yeah it's like you you guys were so <laughs> locked in that it it feels like there's a definite sense of purpose behind it and then now with the album which when does the album come out? September first. September first. At, so. at a non-existent record store near you. Yeah, so you can go to <laughs> the store the place. Store. Yeah, go to the store place. You know where the record store is, and go to and, the guy that's there. and say to the guy, "Hey, I want to order a copy of American Dream, not Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I want to order a copy of of the LCD sound systems." Yeah, I'd like the LCD Sound Systems new, new record. The uh, and get scolded, and then you're just gonna be like, you're just doing like shows from that point. The rest of your year is just on and off shows. Yeah, we're we're doing the thing that bands do, mm-hmm. which is play shows at the time that a record is available. And w- like, what is your? Yes, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> 
what what songs has your relationship to changed that you perform and like how have how has it cha- how have they changed they've all i mean <clears throat> honestly they've all changed by performing them um you know sometimes they just get better we play them better sometimes like mm-hmm. what i thought would make them work doesn't work and something else works uh This song called Your City's a Sucker, which is a B-side of, which is the B-side of Movement, which is our mm-hmm. first, which I kind of as, just to be a jerk, I made Movement the first single on, and when we signed EMI, mm-hmm. which was like, <clears throat> it's clearly not going to get us a lot of airplay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the, Your City's a Sucker is the B-side, which is like mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And we still play it now. Yeah. Well, you opened with it. It's a it deep at cut. One of the, Broken I saw you Broken yeah, Seals. Yeah. So you, so you guys opened with it. I'm yeah. paying attention. So we're, you know, playing, you know, deep cuts. Yeah. So that one's changed because it's, it's like become a song that we, one of the songs we like the most. Sure. Whereas at first it was just a B-side. Mm-hmm. Um, Are there certain songs that's hard, <clears throat> that it's easy to get inside of? Yeah. All My Friends is one of the easiest songs to get inside of when you play live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a, just a, it's built, it's built in a really subtle way that like, the way it play, we play it now very differently than the record, mm-hmm. but it's like kind of like a more grown up, a more expanded, detailed version, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's got and, a lot more detail now. And does it feel like it's going to be in that slot live for? We, I mean, we kind of joke about it. Like, we, like, when we, when we're talking, we're working on the set list. And we're like, we, when we cut, we can cut all my friends. And like, you know, that's just, we can't cut it at the moment. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know what we're going to do because I'm never that, I'm not the guy who's just like, what we're talking, you know, I'm, I'm not just going to play the new record, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't want to be, I never wanted to be that guy. I never liked going to see that show. I was like, oh. Yeah. Um, Where you're being, but, like, lectured a little bit. Yeah, like, you idiots who like the other thing we did. Yeah. Um, but what a something's going to have to give because mm-hmm. the songs are really long mm-hmm. and we already play a long time. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're not the boss, but we're, you know, climbing up in the multiple hours. And as a new record comes out and another new record, it's like things are going to have to get shelved. And, like, the funny thing is that some songs that we, like, we don't need to play because people aren't as attached to them are songs we like to play. Like, we're like, well, we could cut movement Mm -hmm. because it's not anybody's favorite song. But live, it is, like, one of our favorite songs to play. And it's also, we cut it, we gain two and a half minutes. There's nothing else two and a half minutes long. Yeah, it's not like you're making up that much ground no. by. Yeah. We started cutting "Losing My Edge" and "Yeah," mm-hmm. which because they're both long and mm-hmm. we played them for long enough. Mm-hmm. But you know, we got to We just have to move stuff off the shelf. You know, yeah. gotta take things off the menu. Yeah, it's you hard. Got to get the specials. Yeah, like at Maxwell's. You got to get madness. You get punched in the chest. Get punched in the chest. Take yeah. the peanut butter pie. Yeah. off the. <clears throat> you were still eating peanut butter pie that someone stuck their finger in, though. That didn't in any way. I, no, I was, like, was a scumbag. What are you, <laughs> you know, it's a free peanut butter pie, dude. Yeah. It was, okay. you know, I wasn't dumpster diving. I was eating a peanut butter pie that a person who works in food service touched. Eh. At, at a rock club. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to wind Todd up now. At this point, I'm trying to just get to, like get Todd's back on the line. <laughs> He's, what are you saying about the wait staff at Maxwell's? I loved that place. That, that PA was a mess, Todd. I rewired that PA. You rewired I the PA. I worked on that PA because that yeah. PA was a mess. Yeah. It was unbalanced, the left and right. 
It, they didn't like there was I think it was mono and it wasn't like lined up, so mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of work to make. That when, did that, when did that? When did that bug? When did that bug hit you that you had an aptitude for the the wires part of things? On tour, I mean, I always kind of like was into it, and it was always a means to an end. I didn't think I was a technical person. I was mm-hmm. always like, I want to get this done. I want to get this done. Um, but when we recorded Pony. Uh, I, I'd been recording with other people and it was like, ugh, it wasn't going the way I wanted. And I recorded myself and it wasn't getting the sound I wanted. And then Bob Weston, um, the great, the great Bob Weston, Bob Weston who One had of recorded. One my favorite bands, yeah. Volcano Sun. Totally. And the also, and he produced The Pigeon is the Most Popular Bird, the, mm-hmm. the, the Six Finger record. Yeah. And <clears throat> we had him come record my band Pony. It was the first thing we recorded in the stu- first studio I built. Mm-hmm. And watching him work, it was really simple. He just like was like, and I'm like, oh, because I had all this need for knowledge. I, I had all these places to put the information because I'd been failing to get the sound I wanted. And he was like, I was like, why, is, why are the needles so low? And he's like, well, these are transients and they're fast. They're drums. So you don't want them going all the way to zero because they're going much faster. It's like all this nerd stuff. Yeah. And it just, it clicked with me. And suddenly I realized that like knowing the technical stuff was going to give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Also, it was able, I was able to work without being the singer or being performer because nobody wanted to see my band mm-hmm. so i wasn't going to make a living doing that so i was the sound guy for six finger satellite or archers of love mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know uh, like bands of that era sure and but doing sound for six finger satellite was when i learned like i was like i could be i can really do this because mm-hmm. we would just rewire pas all the time and i would do all this yeah. these dirty tricks like pretending that i didn't know what i was doing mm-hmm. so that no one would watch me and then i would go turn up like the outputs of the crossovers and like get way more gain. And they'd all be looking at the desk. Like you can't run that in the red. I'm like, it's in the green. Like I was like, yeah, it's really loud. And I'm like, well, you have a great PA. You're, you, you know, pretend to yeah. be like some yokel. And, uh, <laughs> you, yeah, we just, we blew up a PA in, I forget where we were in New Mexico, like literally burst into flames. <laughs> but being with those guys was great because they just were not very friendly. And so it would allow me to be less friendly. Mm-hmm. I remember we did yeah. a show and I, I had a, jacket that would zip up over up to my nose mm-hmm. and sunglasses and i'd be all friendly all day and then as soon as the show started i zipped the jacket up to my nose <laughs> i put the sunglasses on the guy comes was like hey man can you turn it down a little and i just looked at him like a robot and shook my head no and went back to mixing without moving uh, <laughs> yeah sunglass zipper face won't lower the uh good times yeah good times you know what i'm gonna do we'll take these final couple calls Bring and it. then we'll then we'll say we'll let you go we'll home. throw me into a car with an oreo yes. Besho, hi. 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 Who's this? Uh, it's um, Audrey, Jan, and Dylan from Austin, Texas. Okay. Yep. How are you? Good. What's going on tonight? Why are you up so uh, late? Because uh, we want to be. And, and don't tell my mom, but my dad is helping us with this. Wait, what? Don't tell your mom what? My dad is helping us with this. Because my mom. Okay. And what's dad, what's dad want to know? Why is dad forcing his children to, to call in to radio shows? Uh, he just wants us to call you. Oh, look. It's late. It's late. You tell dad you want to go to Toys R Us tomorrow. Right? No. And, and then, but you say this: I don't want no dumb educational toys. 
I want uh, some we good don't, stuff. Yeah. I want something like slightly Luke. dangerous. Yeah, and slightly he, dangerous. He's like... What? And slightly dangerous. And slightly dangerous. <laughs> he said okay. He said okay. Look, this and is a win for everybody. Nothing under $100. <laughs> yeah. High ticket items also. Yeah. Okay. And okay. when you get to the register, you want to get some candy also that they have. Okay. Loaded. Real, really high sugar content. Yes. Just like sugar daddies. I wish I get five million pieces of candy. There you go. Five million pieces of candy. You start high. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's get five million. Okay. All right, guys. You call me another time. Okay. okay. All right. Bye. Best show. Hi. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Best show. Hello. Sounds a little bit like a yeah. deadline. I don't no. want to be that guy, but I yeah. want to tell you your business. Yeah. Hello. Hey, you're out. Best show. Hi. Hello? Yes, hi. Welcome to the best show. Oh, is this? Am I... What? Hi. Hi. You're here with Tom and James Murphy. Right now? Yeah, yeah, right now. So, okay, hi. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Um, hi, you guys. Uh, I'm a 17-year-old, I'm a and I love LCD sound system so much. It, it, it's, it's kind of amazing. I don't know. It, it, What's your oh, favorite boy. song? What's your favorite song? Uh, I, your city of the sucker is actually, I, I find myself coming back to that one a lot. I re, I really enjoy the, the fact that you guys enjoyed playing it. Um, deep cuts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I, I think it's so cool. Oh my goodness. I think it's so cool how you guys, I have two questions if you don't mind. Uh, for for Mr. Murphy, go ahead. Bring um, it. I I think it's so cool how you guys have how you have this. I don't know. I I felt such so in love with your music, and I think um, you're so like you started sort of this wave of this kind of like it sort of morphed into this kind of ironic thing that's almost condescending or whatever. But I think yours came from a place of like another level of like just finding a connection between uh, audience and musician. Um, but I think it's interesting that as like someone who loves your music so much, I love your music in the way that I love someone like the Smiths or something like that. So I, I wonder how it feels for someone like you. Cause I don't know how comfortable you would be with like a traditional rock kind of legacy, which I think. I'll I don't answer know, I think this that, one. I'm kidding. No, no, that's all right. <laughs> I have a funny it's funny that you say that in that sequence because in I think 2001, myself and Tim Goldsworthy, my old partner at DFA, went right. to England and interviewed Morrissey uh, for a magazine that used to be around called Index Magazine. And we were woefully unprepared to be interviewing anybody, let alone Morrissey. <laughs> and the f only thing I could sputter out well, Tim was pretending to be calm and they had a cup of tea that was just rattling because it had a saucer, which was an error, uh, a judgment error to hold a tea, a spoon, and a saucer. And I was like, how does it feel? And I asked the same question. I was like, how does it feel to have 
people like us, like somebody just literally freaking out over you and what you do. And he was just like boring. You know, I think was his answer, but, uh-huh. but I felt, you know, I, 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 it's very funny that you would ask that question. Uh, given that that's literally the person that I asked the same question of oh many goodness, long years you. ago yeah. when you were three. When, yeah. 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 Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even the day. But no. Yes. <laughs> um, and then my other question, I don't know if I want to ask it anymore because it's a little sillier, but what's up with the album artwork for this new album? Because I kind of love it, but I'm just curious like where that came from because it's a little strange. Well, um, I guess, all right, well, I'll begin at the beginning. My friend Rob Reynolds is a really accomplished, like, hyper-realist painter he does a bunch of different kinds of painting but he's a really amazing painter and he was doing all these skies and cloud studies and suns and stuff like that and i was seeing his paintings and i was really obsessed with them and i he i bought one that was just a cloud and i was asking him for like for two years i was like i want to if i make a record i want to do like a, a cloud painting a cloud painting and he was like i was sending him photos of clouds and he would you know we'll be working on them and then he's like i'm doing this thing that you didn't ask for and he sent me a painting of the sun, the sky, like just directly above. So it's a it's a oil painting, and I was wow. I really loved it. And and then Michael Vadino, who's the art director for DFA, is like who I worked on almost everything except for I think losing my edge. I think is the, the only thing he did. He he joined after losing my edge and give it up. I think I or maybe he did give it up. I can't remember. But anyway, he's been doing all that stuff for me with me forever. And I don't know. We just, I, I really like it. I mean, uh, I like the painting very much. And we, we, there was a, I was, I don't know. I, the, this is the cover art. I don't know what can be up with it. People. No, it's fine. It's no, there was an art, there was an article and we were talking about this earlier. There's an article in, you know, like people were writing about the fact that some people on Twitter did not like it. Also <laughs> the, we, that we released the cover art, which mm-hmm. I think is a funny thing that, well, mm-hmm. I don't know if that really counts as a release. And also, I, I will just say, it. I, I do feel like having heard the record and seen the cover, I do think the two work together. I mean, the covers, it's supposed, I mean, I don't know what to say. The, the guy the guy who wrote the article in Newsweek, I, I would encourage people to read it because he dislikes the cover a lot, but is totally mm-hmm. right about what's going on in the cover. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny. As I was reading this, I was like, this is a really clever analysis of the cover. Except that you hate it because it's making you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think I, that's, for me, that's kind of the goal of, of it. <laughs> it's a little oppressive and it's a little bit, it's a combination of sunshine and oppression. So That's great. Thank you so much. I love you, James Murphy. Well, Tom, thank you're all right. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, buddy. Thank right. you. Final, final call. That's it. No more calls, Mike. You got me? No more. No mas. Best show, hi. Hi, I have a challenge for you and uh, you and James. Challenge? Well, I don't like yeah. the sound of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I I don't think there has been a rock record that's come out in the past thirty years that has redefined the genre, that has really expanded the possibility of what rock can do. But I want you two to see if you can prove me wrong. In the last thirty years. Last thirty years. So you're saying it last was thirty years? That's right. 
97? What's 30 years? I can't tell 87. anymore. 87. 87. In the last 30 years. That's right. Hold on. 1987. So you don't think a record has come along that has redefined rock? No. I think there's been good rock records. Yeah, okay. You know, they've been enjoyable. What's your favorite rock, rock well, What's your what's favorite the last rock? one that yeah. redefined rock for you? Why I mean, are you I saying 87? Pick, like, what, what makes if you... If I had to pick one, I'd say Bad Moon Rising by Sonic Youth. Yeah. That's the last record that really took, like, elements that weren't in rock mm-hmm. and expanded the genre to the point where, of course, that's more influential. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're talking about a record that nobody heard, yeah. I might say Rear End Hernia Puppet Show by Carolina. That really hasn't had as big an impact as Sonic Youth, so I don't know if that counts. Fine. Play your enough said Carolina cards. Hmm. Look, I was at Maxwell's when they threw ch- chairs at everybody. I did they my hit time me in the face. Carolina Rainbow. <clears throat> hmm. The last 30 years. Yeah, I think that's a good cutoff point. Hmm. Let me think. That has completely... Well, I mean, it changed as much as Bad Moon Rising? Well, just because, I mean, you can't, I don't, I just can't think of a record that you would look at, that you would look at, like, say, The Velvet Underground and Nico, or mm-hmm. Nevermind the Bollocks, or well, something it, like that. Where, well, Nevermind the Bollocks, I would argue, didn't change rock that much. It sounds, it's pretty traditional rock. Yeah. Pretty traditional sounding, but I think in a, philosoph- in a philosophical sense, it changed, like, what people were, what people thought they could accomplish with the music. You know, for a lot of people now, it wasn't just about, Selling a bunch of records and becoming a big star was about. Well, it was on a major label. A that's, a, that's completely not true. They they signed to a major label. They weren't putting it out in their basement. They weren't Perubu. No, no, of course they weren't. And then you know, there's plenty of people who will say that the Sex Pistols were sellouts. I mean, just look at Kraft. No, but I mean, I, I, think... I liked. I mean, I like Sex Pistols. But I mean, it's like it's it's not that far off of like the Go Go's musically mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's like not not musically, but I do feel like a lot of people took inspiration from that. For sure, who otherwise wouldn't have ever. But is that the measure, or music? something that incru- like okay? Because the the measure is either that it in, in added elements that were not in rock before, yeah, yeah. or that people took influence from it. Because if people, if, if you're asking if people took influence from it, you can just say like, okay, computer. And then just like massive amounts of people just tried to make that record again. I think, I, I guess I'm saying about as far as like bringing something new to the music, but not necessarily in a musical sense. Just it changed the way people thought about rock. Well, then you, you can know, just say, then you can say never mind if you're thinking about not just in a musical sense and change the way people thought. Really? About it. Yeah. Well, if it, absolutely. Look, I don't. Absolutely. I, don't, I, don't, I think that I'm not. I mean, if, if that's your criteria, yeah. then certainly never mind. Counts. Yes, because that w- if you're going to say never mind the bullocks, then you can, you can say, say never, never mind. mind. Yeah. yeah. Full. And on. then you can say appetite for destruction. Yeah. Oh no, I don't think so at all. I mean, what did Nevermind really bring? Oh, to no, rock that I don't hadn't think so before? at all. Well, <laughs> all right, egghead. <laughs> Why did it drain all the fun out of something? <laughs> well, I'm having fun, actually. This is I'm, fun for me. Yeah, your idea of fun. Ugh. My idea of fun. Your idea of fun. God, look, I'm going to think about this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an I, interesting topic. I, I think, okay, computer's an easy one. Or kid A. Okay. Kid A is an interesting choice. Hmm. It's interesting certainly choice. it's musically a, a way ahead of I'm, what a lot of other rock bands yeah. were doing. I'm glad you think so. Yes. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it's certainly it's certainly starkly more powerfully different mm-hmm. sonically than pre Nevermind the Bullocks 
post Nevermind the Bullocks. And you could search around the Nevermind the Bullocks for a million other things like that would have been more impactful, like the first Susie record or, or, the, mm-hmm. or if you're sticking with John Lydon, mm-hmm. uh, Metal Box or mm-hmm. Second Edition is ab, or Flowers of Romance are absolutely more groundbreaking and earth shattering yeah. in terms well, of. Well, what like, about it takes a nation yeah, of millions? Oh, it takes, well, that, yeah, is that a rock record? And it is if you actually, if you actually, sure. if you ask Hank Shockley, who was a metal yeah, guy, that's it's a, rock a rock record. record. What about that wise guy? Which record? It takes a nation of millions by Public Enemy. That's hip hop. That's not That's rock. That's hip hop. That's just introducing a new thing into rock. Yes. Yeah. There's the no, new element. No, no, you no. Rap is an entirely different genre. It's nothing to do with rock. Yeah, well, I think different. the guy who made that, Hank Shockley, would differ in his opinion with you. And Maybe. So- I don't know. I haven't talked to Hank Shockley, but I don't see hip hop. I mean, hip hop didn't even come from rock. It came from like reggae, Jamaican toasters. You're funk. Get off my phone. I, mean, I can't handle this guy. <laughs> This guy drains all the fun out of a thing as fun as music. <laughs> Turns it into homework. <laughs> what a bummer. Homework. Yeah. By Daft Punk. There you go. Right? You did it. Why would I, what are these arguments? It's like I might as well argue about, he's the guy in the, he's the guy at a concert in this, that's doing like the baseball thing of like writing the, this, like doing like the little box score yes. with a pencil. Yeah. Oh, look, God bless you, guy. You're having a great time. You're bumming me out. You bummed me out. I got an A-plus guest here. <laughs> this is a Haley's Comet-style guest. You think he's ever coming back here again? He's never coming back here again. This is it. We got everything we're ever going to get from this guy. I'll never see him at a, at a thing that isn't him on stage. <laughs> never going to be in a room with this guy again. He was done with me. Well, I've already and changed my email. Because of what you just did. I'm putting it on you. How can you not say it takes a nation? This is a rock record. She watched Channel Zero, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Slayer. Because what we're saying is, yeah. you know, let's, 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 <sighs> let's, let's know what we're talking about when we're talking about race. Oh, come on, guy. What about chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water? Right? Limp Biscuit. <laughs> you don't think that changed the game? Did change the game. Right? You remember the first time you heard Nookie? Right? I knew where I was. Remember when you heard boom, 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 boom? You're just like, what was that? Well, look. I don't even know how I feel about it, but it's impacting me. Yes. It's, it's, something's making me nauseous. It's like if you didn't realize you were on a cruise ship. If you didn't realize that Earth was a cruise ship. Or that one of those oysters was a mistake. Yes. Yeah, so one, one oyster seemed a little skunked. And you didn't want to be the guy who gets all yeah. babyish about it. And now you're paying while on the yeah. toilet holding a garbage can. Paying in here, but you're trying to put a brave face on the whole thing. Well, James... <sighs> Thank you so much for coming. It's, this is so much fun. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for the Oreos. Of course. That's another shirt. And the <laughs> record is so the record's legitimately great. I I love it and I can't wait till everybody gets to hear it and weigh in on it. Me and too. I'm bored of it not being out, but that's the that's well, life. It, you're just a couple weeks away. I can, I can yeah, it's well, but I'm like a kid waiting for Christmas. Yeah, except you're Santa. I'm Santa. Right? Well, yes, I'm gray bearded. And portly. It's another shirt. I'm Santa. 
I'm Santa. Who are you? I'm Santa. I'm, I'm Santa. Who are you? Yeah. That sounds like one of those shirts you'd get down on like Eighth Street. Yeah, that you're just like, who buys those things? Oh, and then I you... really wanted to go get the ones that it's a series of skeletons having sex. <laughs> <laughs> like all the positions, but skeletons. It was such a bad shirt, and yeah. I loved that somebody was like, "I've got it." Yeah, here's my shirt. That's me throwing. Make hundreds of thousands yeah. of them and send them all over beach towns and into New York City's shirt district. Final thing I'll say to you, I figured out my my thing. You have LCD sound system. Yes. Next week, I am going to debut my act. You've heard of ventriloquism? Yes. I am doing vape triloquism. You get ready. This is my thing. I am going to become a vape triloquist next week. I um, don't know what it means. If on I, the radio. On the radio. <laughs> but we'll have people Well, the biggest ventriloquist got famous on the yeah, radio. Charlie McCarthy. I'll be like that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to get a ventriloquist dummy and hook a, make him vape, or if I talk to the actual vape thing as the dummy. Or you're vaping. It's the equivalent of drinking the water while doing the ventriloquism. Yeah. If I'm just like, what's that, Billy? And I'm like, like smoke coming out of my... Yeah. Tune in and find out. Again... Rest in peace, Glenn Campbell. Thank you, James Murphy, for coming by. This was so much fun. It was a really great time. (laughs) You did not move your lips. That just took my gig away from me. I really appreciated it. At least I had it. Another song, maybe my favorite, even more than Galveston. Bring it. By the time I get to Phoenix, be back next week. Bye. By the time I get to Phoenix She'll be rising She'll find the note I left hanging On her door